And she says, let's see if you're up to the task. And then they just do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is like some Grand Theft Auto Five kind of thing where it's just like hyper exaggerated just you know this is nonsense this is nonsense so Mono is the guy that they beat up yeah, all the way yeah. okay so yeah. she sits in his lap and they're doing it and like you see her butt and then another angle you see her booba and I like yeah. booba yeah. I do like seeing that but um, that shows you this is a rated R movie no kids allowed grab some popcorn and stick around we've got some garbage to talk about Hey, Zax. Hi, Connor. Hey, guys. Hey, Connor. Hi, Bob. You owe me money. Okay, that's true. Didn't expect to be called out like that. But coincidentally, we're talking about the movie The Debt Collector. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, what a <laughs> <Yay>. transition. Ha, <laughs> 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 ha, totally candid. Um, <laughs> Connor and I watched the movie uh, recently. Uh, mm -hmm. And you haven't seen it, Zax. You guys are going to tell me all about this action. It's a Scott Adkins action movie. Yeah, okay. And that's why I noticed it on Netflix. Yeah, Scott Adkins. If you haven't seen movies with him, you really should. Yeah. You know, it's always it's always B-movie action. Scott Adkins does, like, Taekwondo, Kung Fu. I kinda. don't know what his so martial arts are. but You know, it's kind of like... If Jean Claude Van Damme, that kind yeah, of action that kind of movie, movie. and yeah. sometimes he is in like bigger budget movies, but he's usually like a stunt coordinator, or mm -hmm. he's like you know us like the bad guys. Yeah. Lieutenant who can kick a bunch of butt. Yeah, Scott Adkins is forever doomed to only get the leading roles in like B movies. Unfortunately, yes. unfortunate. straight to video, straight to Netflix. But yeah, the Debt Collector is on Netflix. He's not the it. best actor, but he's not bad. Yeah. I remember him from Hard Target 2, right? Yeah, he was in Hard Target mm -hmm. 2, and he was great in that. Mm -hmm. And we saw Avengement, which is a weird movie that I'm not sure he was great in that one. Yeah, he kind of had to speak with a weird accent most well, of the time. Well, that's just but... it. That's his accent. Um, Turns out he's well, actually a British-American... Oh, yeah, because of the teeth thing. Yeah. yeah, like Corridor Digital broke down one of the fight scenes from Avengement. Oh, did and they? the stunt coordinators react. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he he wears like a a teeth thing in that movie, and so his regular accent gets layered on with weirdness. Anyways, in this movie, the debt collector, he's not playing an American like he usually does, and he gets to speak with his normal British accent, okay. which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know, I I think he's got a cool voice. But anyways, this movie starts. You you want yeah. you want to tell us how it starts because yeah. I when I first saw this I thought oh no is the movie gonna look like this yeah surprisingly it doesn't all right so let's break down the debt collector starring Scott Atkins and Louis Mandalore as well yeah which he's, he's like a character actor you've seen in movies and all you right. may recognize my face but not my name so the movie starts and it's a uh, you know slow mo intro of you know three guys driving up in a car to some. You know, play some building dojo, and getting yeah. out little dojo, yeah. And they're wearing all black, serious suits, and they walk in, and yeah, it's a dojo, but it is the smokiest dojo. Like genuinely <laughs> hard to see characters. Oh, yeah, so smoky. So like they wanted to like 
keep it cool so they have the fog machine always constantly on (laughs) yeah about three fog machines maybe yeah it was and there's a dude sweeping in there and we find out later his name is alex but like the idea that he's sweeping when what he should be doing is opening windows is preposterous yeah and that's a that's a osha dust hazard yeah like uh, honestly everybody should be wearing dust masks and like i don't know it's crazy just how smoky it is and i have a picture of uh another area that is even more smoky but it is it is preposterously smoky okay. in his in this yeah. dojo um what right. so so the three walk in and yeah the one guy's sweeping and since the movie is trying to be all cool and full of one-liners you know the guy is like you know come back later the man you're looking for is out and they're like no go get him the guy's name is French yeah you know Scott Scott, Scott Atkins character is named French. IMDb actually just says French. I don't remember if he has a first name I, or not. I'm pretty sure French is his first name. Well, it's well, his only it's just name. His, it's his only name. <laughs> it's his only name. <laughs> yeah, it's his nickname or only name. Uh, maybe it's like an ironic thing because he's British. They call him French. Uh, maybe. Uh, kind of like I, a I think, small guy, a tall, big guy named Tiny kind of thing. So, yeah, so, so Scott Atkins <laughs> walks out of the back room. He's wearing the standard kind of instructor Karate, yeah, martial arts gi get up and he's like uh, the guy sweeping is also wearing that but he's right. just like alright yeah right. and Scott Atkins is just like you three should come back later and I don't remember the exact dialogue but basically the three are here like as part of the mob or something to buy this dojo from Scott and it's like <laughs> here's the here's the deal French for this dojo I'll give you $10,000 this week Next week, I'll give you 7000 The week after that, 5000 You yeah. can see where this is going. Give us this dojo now. Yeah, okay. he's like... We... let a dojo lay away. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> no, no. I think I think there's literally a line... the of... offer is going down. Oh. Not that he's going to continue to give him more money. Oh, okay. oh I, see. I see. Yeah, I should have said that. I, no, no. The, it... the dialogue means the mob's here because they, like, own a bunch of they other own a bunch stuff of other like cash fronts and want Scott's, but mm. Scott is like, you know, he's he built this with his own sweat and blood. He wants to keep this. He and he says he says he cut the mats and that these guys can like he did everything here mm-hmm. and that they that, you know, they run garbage places. They need to take their shoes off when they're standing on his mats. Like that's yeah. how they indicate like he's a traditionalist and they don't know what they're talking about. And they're like, You don't know how to run a business. Why am I they literally tell him he doesn't know how to run a business and I'm like, Why are you talking about that? And, Shake him down. Yeah. And so they threaten him, or rather the main guy threatens him. It's yeah. three guys, but only one guy really talks. The other two are just there as backup. Muscle. Yeah. So they threaten him, he kinda threatens them and then finally it's like well you know what how about we settle this my way we'll have a match right now if you win i give you the dojo but, but if i win you get out of here and you don't bug me again uh, don't mobsters have like guns yeah usually <laughs> but they agree to this deal yeah. they're like okay let's do this and they start rolling up their sleeves okay. and at first I, I got the impression that it was supposed to be a one-on-one thing but that like right. Alex steps out of there and he's like he's like uh, he's like I think he's like reading or something or maybe like checking his nails because it's like I'm confident that Scott Atkins will kick their butts and Scott Atkins uh, mm-hmm. French we should start using the character's yeah. name yeah. French he starts beating up on this guy and it's smoky everywhere and it's genuine like the choreography of the fight is probably good but I can't tell because <laughs> there's so much smoke that I can't tell who is who yeah. in the fight which right. is not great. Um, and then the yeah. two other guys come in and they start fighting him 
And he basically just beats the three of them up, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Scott even... pretty easily deals with them. I will say, when Scott's fighting the main, like, mobster guy, it's just the standard amount of grunting and, mm. you know, reacting. <laughs> but when the other two jump in, it's like they're constantly grunting or wailing. They never shut up. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know what the, the... Some of the volume mixing in this movie is a little bit weird. I think maybe they were supposed to be normal levels, but they got bumped up and like some of the dialogue got mixed down and the music got mixed up. I don't know. It was a little weird, but yeah, these two goons... We're not expecting such a fight from a guy who runs a dojo. Right. I don't know. Of all the places, like, it's... Right. If they were trying to shake down a convenience store, I'd understand not coming prepared for a big fight. But, like, this dude makes fighting his job. So, like... Yeah. Also, he challenged you guys to the fight. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's like... But, I mean, it's not like they knew he was going to do that. Although they probably could have expected it. I don't know. They just, I mean, yeah. I don't, if I challenge three mobsters to a fight, I'm probably good at fighting, yeah. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> at well, least a little. Well, they beat them up, and they, they go, oh, okay, fine, we'll leave, and they leave, and we never see them again. Right. This plot line disappears <laughs> oh, from the movie. Well, it, it, More yeah, or less. Some, I mean, this is the lead-in to the main yeah, plot. Yeah, it's just some initial setup. Um. So, yeah, they leave. Scott... French gets to keep his dojo for another day, yeah. and then the next scene. Um, well, actually, uh, well, it, well, I mean, it may, you may be saying the same scene, but next scene, you know, the, they go to the back office. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so uh, they go to the back back office, and Alex is standing there. And now Alex is in a suit. I noticed. Yeah, At some I point actually he changed. I actually didn't realize. I didn't remember that Alex was the one the guy sweeping from the... in the first scene. Yeah. Which like... makes it kind of weird when you learn sort of what his position is. Yeah, it's super weird because he shows up near the know. end of the movie, and in between he's almost non-existent. Right. So, anyway, so, yeah, they're in the back office. Alex is in a suit now, and they're talking about French's money problems. Yeah, and Alex is like, like, you should just sell the dojo. Like, honestly. <laughs> and, and French is like... Come on, Alex. Ten thousand dollars isn't going to get me anywhere. I need money to pay rent. I need money for the car. Da 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 da. Yeah, for the bank, for the car, for all these loans. I built this place, and I'm not going to just give it to them for you know ten k. And I'm like, so why don't you negotiate a higher price? Like, I mean, like you've got a lot of pride in the yeah. building the place, but it sounds like you've got a lot of money problems. If ten k won't solve those money problems. Negotiate up instead of beating them up and making them leave. <laughs> yeah. Right now you're in a hole and digging yourself deep. Also, they've been coming, apparently, right? Yeah, these like, guys, I mean, they so, recognize him and he recognizes them. So it sounds like, just from this, it sounds like there was a point in time where there was more than 10K on the table. Know, Potentially, <laughs> yeah. I mean. but, but either way, he's like, I've got too He basically has too much pride tied up in this. Okay. And he says, hey, can you talk to your man about that job for me? And uh, I actually wrote down some of the dialogue here because Alex makes this job sound really ominous. <laughs> he's like, hey, man, can you, you know, talk to your guy? And he says, uh, it's not for you. You're a tough guy, but you're a good guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and he says, hey, man, I'll do anything to keep this place. And he says, people say that all the time, but they rarely mean it. This line of work, it doesn't lead to a better life. Are we throwing babies in dumpsters? Uh, the money's good, but it comes at a price. Demands on your conscience. Yeah. I'm your friend. I don't want to be the guy who drags you into this, French. And then yeah. uh, he, he says to Alex, I'm a big boy, Alex. I can look after myself. And then Alex says, 
I'll remind you that you said that. He never reminds him that he said that. <laughs> he barely shows up in the rest of the movie. But he says, fine, I'll talk to Tommy, okay? It's not up to me. I'll introduce you to, but you've got to talk to Tommy and convince him that you're good for the job. And he says, thank you, Alex. And he shakes his hand and he says, don't thank me. It's not that kind of job. Yeah, so, like, Alex has, like, backdoor connections and... Uh, to somebody reminds... with this other job that's so scary. And, yeah, and, and this scene is, like, a worse version of a very similar scene from the movie Avengement, also yeah. starring Scott Atkins. Yeah. In that movie, Scott Atkins is talking to his character's brother, who's a crime boss, instead of, you know, just some crime boss associate. Right. But it is basically the same thing... Only the dialogue in this version, in The Debt Collector, is way more forced. It's Yeah, it's really like they were trying to make everything Alex says a one-liner for some reason. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's not that kind of job. It's yeah. like very much a one-liner. Don't thank me. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to be the friend to drag you in. It's like I haven't seen this enough to call it a rule, but movies like this always, or not always, but sometimes do the thing where someone will say, like, please, I'll do anything, and the other character is like, most people don't mean that when they yeah. say it. And that's just a common example that they, scripts go to when they want to sound, like, cool. When they want to sound like, like this yeah. job is going to be tough. Like, I mean, yeah. have you actually heard, like, really anybody say, like, I'll do anything? But, like, I think we're all so culturally, from, from movies, used to people taking advantage of you saying the phrase, I'll do anything to do this. <laughs> Nobody says that. Right. Right? Like, yeah. like I mean... Yeah. I feel like, yeah, we also, like, tend to have, like, a pretty good grasp on, like, the general sort of, like, limits mm. and, like, range to, like, if I know that Scott Adkins is, like, a fighting guy who beats up, like, mobsters or whatever, and, like, from the title of this movie, this sounds, like, probably along the lines of his anything. Mm. So, like... Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I mean, it's weird that, like... It, if somebody says, I'll do anything, we all implicitly know that that doesn't mean literally anything. But in movies, people love to take that very tab. literally. <laughs> anything? Yeah. You said anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, I'm going to have to like come up with like cool prank scenarios. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, you know a script writer is like trying to come up with cool like yeah. inversions or whatever if that shows up in the dialogue. So... Yeah, so Alex hands him a card, a business card, and leaves. And then the next scene is French going back to his apartment. Mm -hmm. And his apartment is also extremely smoky. I thought maybe this was going to be set in, like, Beijing or a city known for smog or something until these were Turns the only out, two areas that were yeah, smoky. Yeah, not only are these the only two areas, this is L.A. This is oh. set yeah, in L.A. this is America. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So, like, I, I realized it was L.A. when he was like, oh, you should have taken Sepulveda. And I was like... Oh, is it L.A.? Yeah, it's just L.A. Because I was going to say, then Scott gets home and pretty immediately the landlord is at the door. Yeah. And he speaks in like the thick, the Jerseyest accent. Yeah, for some reason a ton of people in this movie speak with Jersey accents. He's literally like, you better have my money, Scott. You're, You're three, three months You're late. You're three months late with rent. And Scott's like, uh, oh, French the gym. is like, I promise next <laughs> week I'll have the money. Yeah, he says like, the gym's been kind of slow lately, but I'm hoping it'll pick up. And he's like, just pay up. And I've been, you know, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of leftist content recently, and seeing this landlord be a total asswipe to Scott Adkins really pissed me off this time because I was like, man, 
This guy's job is just to harangue people yeah, for trying I, to live their lives. I mean, it was like as fast of a scene as you could have. Like, the <laughs> landlord bangs on the door, yells some stuff at Scott. Scott's like, yes, I, it is being established that I do have monetary problems, but I, I am a good guy and I will try to get it back to you. And then the landlord leaves and the scene's over. Scene's over. Done. We're not doing no longer important. By the way, we never come back to the dojo. That set is gone. Right, it's gone. The landlord's gone too. The landlord never Scott's apartment. Oh, actually, Scott's apartment comes back once more. Once more, once yeah. More. In like twenty, uh, not even twenty minutes. Like probably right. in like five minutes from now, it's gonna show up right. again in the movie, and then it'll never appear again. That's interesting because I was also just thinking, like you know, like being from California and stuff. Like there weren't like a whole lot of dojos that it would be like effective for the mob to like use that as like. We got all the dojos and we're cleaning money. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And like normally, like laundromats. Yeah. Interestingly, like... in, you know, in in the game True Crime Streets of L.A., one of the finest games of my childhood, which doesn't really hold up. The you you learn all your new kung fu moves from dojos, and I remember like we were playing the game, and Dave pointed out like while we were playing, he was like, "Why are there so many dojos around here?" Like. Is there really such a, like, the market must be flooded with dojos and instructors who are like, come on, anybody want to learn kung fu? And, like, there's probably, like, two kids per dojo because they're spread so thin. I mean. Yeah, because, like, I was just thinking, even, like, when I went to school, like, I knew, like, a few kids who might have taken karate. Yeah, like, I mean. It was a, it's. I feel like it was really popular. Like, really, there's, like, there's maybe two karate places around here, and then, like, one taekwondo place, and, like, one other place. And that's probably about it, mm-hmm. you know? Until recently, there were no boxing places around here. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It, I, I mean, yeah, the, the, the start <laughs> of the movie tro- very is very fast in its... Um, it's trying know, to establish things. establishment. Yeah, yeah, it's just trying to establish the, set, the the surrounding conditions for his character to go become a debt collector. Mm-hmm. But like, none of that stuff is actually important to the plot. And about half the movie isn't important to the plot. But like, right. they they just want to kind of throw this stuff out there. So like, the dojo doesn't matter anymore, and mm-hmm. the landlord doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to this meeting with Tommy, and I'm so. I'll be genu- I'm genuinely so glad that the movie doesn't waste time with us seeing him go into the office and sit down with Tommy and make an introduction. And I'll, like we cut straight to the conversation between him and Tommy where Tommy's like, all right, so when, since I'm hiring you, here's what you're going to need to do. Here's how you're going to need to represent yourself. And I'm like, thank you. Right. Movie for not wasting my time. I know who he is. I know he's good at fighting. Why do I need to see him prove it to... No, they know we don't need to see him prove Uh it to anybody else. Because Tommy's just like, I got you on recommendation from Alex. Let's, you know, let's move on with our lives. Yeah. Was there anything that I missed here? Not really. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't really remember the dialogue from him meeting with Tommy, but... Doesn't Tommy have like a thick cigar? Oh yeah, he yeah, has a huge just, cigar. He has a, and <laughs> and he's he's I don't know if this is just the way cigars work. I don't smoke cigars. I haven't smoked cigars. I don't hang around people who smoke cigars. But like when he he like he's holding it and smoke is coming from both ends of the cigar, which I guess it's possible that like maybe because you inhale through one direction it kind of comes out. I mean, you do inhale the smoke, right? So and there's smoke coming off the the other end. So yeah, like, I think they 
clip it on both sides. Well, I think you only clip on one side, but either way, like, it's lit on one side and you're breathing in on the other side. Mm -hmm. So, like, the smoke would go both ways. But, like, there's a lot of smoke pouring out of the cigar. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like, like they're trying to make the set match the previous two sets. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, um, of the dojo. And the, but, yeah, no, they, no, no. the rest of the movie, they're not just not... There's no smoke. There's no other sets that are as smoke. Well, there's one set that is kind of smoky. Right. But most um, of the rest of the movie is not that smoky. Yeah, so Scott's talking with Tom... French is talking with Tommy. I'm, yes, I do need to try to use character <laughs> names here. French is talking with Tommy, and Tommy's kind of saying the same thing Alex is. Like, you know, these are going to be tough jobs, uh, something, something. And Scott's like, trust me, I can handle it. French, yeah. I'm not going to. It doesn't matter. Kind yeah, French, French doesn't respect yeah, uh, character <laughs> names. <laughs> so basically, basically, Tommy just he brings gives Scott the, on. And, uh, and he says, you're going to be hanging out with uh, one of my best guys. I do want to say there was something that happened between last scene and this scene oh. that's that is the movie tries to pretend it's important but it's not important um, but it is important that I mention it because what happens is it's not a scene it's footage we get to see black and white footage <laughs> yeah see you just went like oh man this thing it's a black and white footage of cows what? and yeah. you see it for like. 10, 15 <laughs> seconds, and there's, like, an odd silence to it, and then it moves on yeah. to the scene. And this happens, like, between Landlord yelling at him and him talking to Tommy, we see the cows. Right. It's kind of ominous music, sort of, and this B-roll footage of cows that's in black and white. Yeah. And uh, if if we forget to mention it, this kind of transition of seeing cow footage happens every couple scenes. Yeah, it, it basically happens yeah. at the end of each job. Um, we see more cows. And it'll make sense by the end, but you're not gonna like where it's going. Yeah. It's very stupid. I didn't write a note down for that until, like, the very end. So. Yeah, when you realize, like, oh, right, that's been happening. I've right. just been, like, my eyes have been glossing over every <laughs> uh -huh. time I see this. I saw it the first time, and I went, oh, huh, maybe that means something. And then, like, the second time you see it, you're like, this is just more footage of cows. I am not uh. interested anymore. Later, right. I have no idea where All right. It. So, yeah. So, uh... You're gonna love where it goes, actually. Yeah, so Tommy says, you'll be working with one of my best men. Go see him. And also, you know, wear a nice suit. Yeah. When All you're right. representing me, you gotta and wear a nice suit. It, you know, it... Once again, I don't remember the dialogue, but it was obvious that this is going to be a... I think... it. I think it was obvious that this is going to be a debt collector right. thing. Like, yeah, yeah. like, French isn't surprised by that. Right, he's not surprised at all. He's okay. just like, sometimes you might need to rough people up to get some, you know, get stuff. Mm -hmm. People owe you money or whatever. Uh -huh. I do want to mention one thing. Um, at this point, we do hear that French was apparently a paratrooper right. for the uh, British military for 15 years. So he's seen his fair share of action. Right. Um, that's, that's quite a long time yeah. to be a paratrooper, that's his. That's his character establishment, that he's spent 15 years with the British <laughs> army. Yeah. Honestly, that seems like a long time to be a paratrooper. Like, I understand if it was like, I spent two years as a paratrooper and 13 years as like a soldier or a marine or something. But paratrooper, I mean, how many times do you paratrooper in? And in Iraq. And in Iraq, yeah. I mean, Because he mentions Iraq specifically later. Yeah, he specifically says he's done a tour, at least one tour in Iraq. So I'm like, huh. okay, I mean, maybe that's a thing. I don't know. All right. So, yeah. Scott, uh... Goes back to his apartment, puts on the suit, and then we see him 
you know, walking up to a cool, cool car. to a car, a cool old 1970s car. And I want to mention that oh. during this, we hear some discount Bond music, and it sounds like it's like you know how like Bond music is like. It's like that, but yeah. just like slightly off. Like if you were on like a royalty-free website and it said like Bond-adjacent music, <laughs> like that's the kind of music we're hearing. And for the first... It's odd. I noticed this by the end of the movie. There's these weird sections of the movie. So at the very beginning of the movie, there was like that ominous music for the cows thing, but otherwise like very little music. And then during this section of the movie, they just play this same Bond sound soundtrack music huh. over and over and over for several scenes and then they'll move on to another s- music and just use that over and over and over and then the, like the last act of the movie they just use the same music over and over it's really strange instead of like mixing it up or using slightly varied tracks yeah. they just repeat this music for the next couple yeah. scenes I, yeah. I remember the repeating but I can't remember the music like at all it yeah no very it's very unremarkable it was just like there's secret agent music, and then there's like a cool, act, like a cool actiony sort of music, and like sort of countryish music yeah. near the end, and then that's kind of it. All right. So yeah, good boy, good boy Scott, who's just down on his luck, <laughs> you know, just a, a good guy, yeah. but just needs some quick money. He's dressed in a suit, and he's walking up to this car, and inside the car, there's a guy passed out in the passenger seat. And yeah. Scott knocks, knocks on the, the door, and the guy wakes up, and it's obviously, he's like hungover. He's got sunglasses on. It's Louis Mandalore. Louis Mandalore, and... And here, I'll, I'll, while you talk about that, I'll pull up a picture of Louis Mandalore so you, you can okay. see. And, once again, I don't remember, like, any of the dialogue, but basically this is Tommy's best guy, and, you know, who French is going to be riding with, and, and the guy introduces himself. His name is Sue. This is literally a, this a boy named Sue situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's called Sue, and I kind of like that they don't really draw a lot of attention to, like, they're not like, oh, your name yeah. is Sue, how'd you get that? It's because, like, later on you hear his full name, his full last name is, like, Solinsky or something, so they just call him Sue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's reasonable, right? Like, And right. so he gets up and he's like, you're early. And then Scott Atkins is like, it's nine o'clock. And he goes, oh, uh, oh, excuse me. Yeah. And he stands up. Oh, no, it's like up. the drunk hungover partner. Yeah. 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 Um, don't worry, they kind of just drop that pretty quick. Oh, right, right. Okay. I mean, so it's, you know, it's French's foil. Well, mm. French is the new guy. He's Clean nervous cut. about Green. this. Clean cut, has the suit. <laughs> Sue is, yeah, like hungover, five o'clock shadow, yeah. just dressed in normal clothes. Um, We're a real odd couple here. Yeah, yeah, good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Good debt collector, bad debt collector. <laughs> Uh, and Sue's like, uh, you drive, and, and and then it's like, so you got the list of jobs, and Scott pulls it out and reads off the first job, and it's like, I don't know, some guy's name. Yeah, uh, Oliver something. Oliver something, uh, $2,000, a 10. And he's like, what does a 10 mean? And he's like, well, that's just where you... They, that's, that's Tommy's system. Yeah, Tommy's system. They don't explain it really well, this first one, and they kind of explain it later, but I'll explain it right now. And I still don't quite understand why the system is like this. It, the scriptwriter thought they were quirky. Or like, yeah, they thought it was cool or something. The system is basically like, you'll have a list of their address... Whether or not they're armed, like, you know, that's a possibility, right? And, like, their name and stuff, mm-hmm. how much they owe. And then a ten, a scale from 1 to 10. 10 is the lowest rank. 
one is the highest rank, oh. and ten, it's a ten to one system of how much violence you need to to, to push. Oh. So like a ten is just like verbally like ah, I'm we'll get yeah. you, and just walk away, right? Just like remind them, look tough, yeah. and then walk away. You don't actually have to get the money from them. You'll get three hundred dollars just for doing that, right? And so like that's a ten. And then, like, a five is supposed to be, like, you rough them up a little bit, but you're not, like... Like, you push them in a wall. Yeah, you might punch them a a bit or something, but then, like, you know, you you can try to get the money at that point if you can. Otherwise, you know, just tell them we'll come back for you next time. A two, which we see later, is a bacon take. Turn up the heat and take the cash. Yeah. Um, Like, destroy this person and get the money no matter what. Yeah. Kind of thing. They call it a bacon take, and I love that. Because that helps me think. I just want to go like, Papa Murphy's, here we come. <laughs> uh, yeah. But right now we're on a 10. The first mm-hmm. job he has to do is a 10. Mm-hmm. And that seems weird. I feel like when it's like a scale of violence, you want to I'm, work up to 10. And, and some of the dialogue is like, why is that? You'd think a 10 would be like the biggest thing. <laughs> oh, I yeah, hate yeah, that. Yeah, no, no. French and Sue... The entire movie, it has that kind of dialogue of French going like, I don't get how this works, or like complaining about how the last oh, scene got... he does so more. much complaining. Oh my God. I, wish, I wish he'd stop after Un- a certain point. Until the halfway point <laughs> in the movie, he pretty much only, like, he'll go do a job and be like, you didn't tell me this would happen. Yeah. And Sue is like, it happens sometimes, man, I'm not psychic. Yeah, like, and then French will they'll go on another job, and Sue will be yeah. like, alright, you gotta back me up on this one. I don't know what's gonna happen in there. They go in, something bad happens, they mm-hmm. come out, French is like, you didn't tell me this would happen. Yeah. This is weird. this sounds like he's as frustrating as Tori Vega from Victoria's, because like, she was the new girl in school, uh, and like, it's a quirky mm-hmm. art school, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but, like, you've already got to 10th grade. Why don't you know things, Tori? Yeah, she- <laughs> I mean, not to jump too far ahead. And I get that, you know, Scott's an upstanding guy who's yes. now in over his head has to do this extra thing. But, yeah, at a certain point, it is like, oh, stop complaining. Yeah, like, um, Jesus, come on. But, yeah, yeah. I'm so just- they go in for this 10. And the 10, it's, okay, there's... There was something that I noticed about this. So they approach the house, and it's for this Oliver guy. And he owes some money. And when they cut, the camera cuts to inside the house, you see there's two people laying on a couch. A guy and a girl. The girl's laying on top of the guy. And there's another guy sitting in a recliner. And they're all sleeping. And then the camera comes in close. And the camera pans up the girl's leg to her butt, up past her to look at the guy. And I'm like... <laughs> Really? We're using a female body just for the sight lines to get to the guy sitting next to her? That is so weird. Like, she's not even important to the scene. Oh, she just was like, oh. She's just oh. there. Oh, it was like an and extra so he, They knock on the door, the guys wake up with a start, and the guy on the couch just shoves her off the couch and she falls yeah. to the floor. And, and it looks like that? the actress like really landed on the floor. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Mm, maybe that was planned. Um, but she gets up, she plays it cool or whatever, and they're like, this is such a weird scene because they're knocking to get these guys' attention. And they don't say anything from the outside of the house. But these guys, like one of them looks out the window and they go, oh, crap, it looks like it's Sue. And then she says, these two guys are whispering at each other, like panicking. Mm-hmm. And she's speaking at full volume. <laughs> they're, she, he, they're like, oh, my God, it's Sue. What are we going to do? Who's Sue? Who is she? And then they're like, not a she. It's a guy. We owe him money. Who do you 
you owe money to? And then, like, <laughs> one of them pulls out a gun, and she's like, is that a gun? And, like, you can, it cuts back to the outside oh, the, the building, yeah. and the two of them are standing there, and you can hear them muffled through the wall, <laughs> yeah. including her going, is that a gun? And him going, like, no, it's a pistol. Come on, just shut up. And then, like, <laughs> like they push her towards the door, and they say, we're going to go to the back. You just get them to go away. Mm-hmm. And she opens the door, and she kind of plays it cool. She's like, uh, hello? And she, they're like, hey, we're looking for Oliver. And he's like, well, he doesn't live here. It's like, well, no, we're pretty sure he does. And then she says, you've got the wrong house, asshole, and closes the door. And then uh, Sue goes, and he just kicks the door down. And, yeah. like, it hits her in the nose and, like, breaks her nose. And they're, like, standing over her. And they're like, where are, where are the guys? And then they look out the window, and the guys are running out the back door and yeah. running away. Yeah, because, uh, you know, yeah, like, French is, is trying to, again, be, like, a nice guy, and, and Sue's like, no, trust me, sometimes you need to use a little force. Yeah. So, you know, French, new guy, is shocked at Sue just bashing the door down, <laughs> yeah. and whatever. He's like, oh, did you really have to do that? But then, yeah, he sees Oliver <laughs> and the other guy running out the back and running down the street, and he's like, that... So what do we do? Going, what do we do? Going. And Sue's just like, go after them. Yeah, go you go after them. I'm, throw me the keys. I'll drive the car after them. You just go after them. Yeah. By it, the way, Sue's still hungover, but yeah, whatever. But, but it's very much like Sue knows what to do and how to be efficient and use force. And French is in over his head because right. it's his first time doing this. And so, so then, whatever. you know, Sue Sue gets in the car and, he, you know, he gets the keys and he gets in the car. And then French is running after the guy with the gun. And the guy with the gun is shooting at him. And by the way, this is like a really fairly nice neighborhood. Like, yeah. you remember in Dexter, where Dexter lived with uh, Rita? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, those kinds of houses. Oh. Yeah. I, I was thinking this would be kind of a sketchy neighborhood <laughs> for someone who owes money to a debt collector. But no, this guy is running and shooting back at French over perfectly manicured lawns. Yeah, like perfectly done lawns. There's like, you know, people just out and about. Oh. And, like, nobody seems that concerned with the gunfire. Yeah, yeah, I love when the extras are just like, no, this is normal. No, this is fine. This happens. <laughs> and, like, I don't know why. It's it's a little weird to me because, like, if, you know, you don't know what people are involved with, right? So, like, somebody, some, you know, somebody in a nice neighborhood can also be involved with a debt collector or whatever. But, like, what? Who are these two guys are like roommates and they've got like a girl over or maybe the three of them live together but she doesn't know what's going on but either way like they live in kind of squalor once you see the yeah, inside of the house I think that's, but the outside of the house is like really nice I think that's what threw me off the inside looked pretty crappy but then yeah they run outside and it's like they're in suburbia once yeah. again like <laughs> it was that kind of lawn and sidewalk thing where there's the sidewalk and then a patch of grass between it and the street mm-hmm. that I just I just know because I grew up in, in suburbs, suburbs. Yeah. yeah and so it's really weird and so the these the guy's shooting at him and running away mm-hmm. and he you know at one point he trips and falls and scott j- jumps on him and yeah. punches the crap out of him yeah scott and, takes out oliver's friend and oh then, real quick i do want to say uh, then the guy gets up and starts running away again and sue hits him with a car yeah um my favorite film cow show. Uh, and the, he falls over the, the car hood, and then Sue opens the car door and like slams it in his face. Yeah. And the guy's like, ugh, he's unconscious. And then uh, 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 Scott, once again, big complainer for his first time job. He was shooting at me. Yeah. Go after yeah. him. You, you said they wouldn't be armed, or the thing said they wouldn't be armed. It's like, go Go get Oliver! Yeah, go yeah, get Oliver. So, and so then he's running after Oliver. Yeah. Oliver tries stealing a car. 
Like some yeah. dude is Str driving through. Oh yeah, straight up GTA style. Like he runs out in the street, a car breaks, barely avoids hitting him. He starts walking to the driver's seat. The driver gets out to yell, yeah, at, to him, yell at him. And he's Oliver like, get just, out like, of the car! Oliver throws just throws the guy away, gets in the car and just drive. Like, starts and he starts driving out. and by then like Scott Atkins has managed to make his way over and he's like got both arms in the window which yeah. was open and he's like now being dragged along and he's punching the dude yeah. in the face while being dragged along by the car, it's really cool, an awesome action scene. And then, like, the guy stops the car, and they pull him out of the car. And uh, yeah. then Sue, like, Sue and, and him are, like, well, Sue's standing over him, and he's just like, uh, you know, I, I hope you understand, like, it didn't have to go this way. The cops will be here in a minute. I hope we can trust that you won't be mentioning our presence here. And he's like, no, of course not. I'll have your money, blah, 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 blah. And Sue's like, yeah, that's right. All right, French, let's get going. And they get in their car and they leave. I mean, like, yeah, that sounds kind of crazy, but, like, wh who is this debt collector for? It's, like, for Tommy. Like, Big Tommy. Who, Tommy. People who yeah. owe Tommy money, mm -hmm. not, like... They didn't pay the rent. So, like, this sounds about right. This sounds like what I would expect if mm -hmm. I'm working for Big Tommy. And yeah, I mean, but <laughs> immediately he's, he's complaining, like, that was a 10. You said he wouldn't be armed. You know, yeah, like, I just got dragged by a thing, and dragged by a car. You hit a guy with your car. That does make hey, me sometimes, curious about what. Sometimes uh, things don't go as planned, okay? Yeah. Okay, Frenchie? Yeah. Stop somewhere. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, stop somewhere. Yeah. I'm hungry. Also, uh, I think maybe before the first job, or maybe it was right after the first job, uh, they go, they drive up to this. This is such an unimportant scene, and I don't know what this really adds mm -hmm. to the movie, but there are little scenes like this throughout where they pull up to like a little coffee shop, and, and uh, what's his name? Um, Sue. Sue, yeah. Sue gets out, and he gets a coffee and two ice creams. Uh, a vanilla one and uh, something else. Yeah. And he gets, comes to the car and he's like, hey, I got you a vanilla. And he's like, I don't want it. And that's they're, the scene. They're trying <laughs> to establish the relationship between French and Sue, you know. Yeah, the new guy, experienced guy, and bonding over this first day and the yeah. things that happened. They're trying to, like, again, do like a good cop, bad cop kind of. Meeting of the minds uh, thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Back and forth. Um, I like the experienced guy. I was like, you just need to like loosen up a little. We can yeah. have yeah. fun at this job. Yeah. He really <laughs> does need to loosen up. I get, I mean, like, again, I get the complaining at the start. Yeah, but French keeps complaining yeah. kind of long after you'd hope the movie would stop that. When, so like, even if it is reasonable for him to continue playing, right, complaining, right. You should stop for the movie sake. Yeah. Is this the kind of movie where we're like building up to something big or just like a bunch of jobs and like maybe a really big job kind of we'll thing? We'll get to that. Yeah, it's we're, kind of weird how that We're happens. putting in as much detail as we are because the movie spends that long on the scenes. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. This is not a montage. Oh. All, all, these jobs on this first day, they are all They're shown in detail. In detail. Oh. So you think, think they that, do. And I think the reason they do that is to give us both a sense of like the characters, but also so that we get a sense of this is a 10, mm -hmm. this is a 5, this is a 2. Because the first three jobs they do are in that order. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> um, so yeah. Uh, oh yeah, then we see cows. Yeah, yeah. See cows and on to the next uh, job, which is the 5. Yeah. It's... This guy who works at like a shady auto sales insurance mm -hmm. place. And so once again, Scott and uh, 
the Sue, Sue yeah. French and Sue talk about it a bit before going in. Once again, French is kind of trying to play it cool. Yeah. And yeah, it really is. Like, if you've ever walked into a rental car place, that's just like a, like desk a small office. Small office I do want to say, he, before they go in, they, they talk about, like, the guy owes $100,000, and this is the number five. And, uh, and he says, you know, they're actually Alex and the Serb. He's called Mad Alex. Oh, yeah. And the Serb. Were oh, yeah. two dudes, two debt collectors who came before, and they got run out of here by gangsters because apparently Harvey has hired some low rent heavies out of South Central. Um, yeah, and so like, basic, and so like, um, um, French is like, so, like he what, was a ten, got upgraded to a five, because something he like that. Yeah, and so he yeah. says like, what, what did, what happens then? It's like, well, then they send in the next team and up the vig. So you know, up, upping the vig meaning. Yeah. Decrease the number from a, like a seven to a five, and um, giving you more of a cut if you get the money, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so they go in there and they say, "Hey, can we talk to Harvey?" And one of the auto dealers or whoever it is is like, "Uh, you know, uh, I can I can probably help you." And he's like, "Well, you can help us by getting us to Harvey." And uh, they like just start looking threatening. And Jeanette, the uh, the attendant at the the, the desk secretary or whoever, says uh, he says to her, uh, "It may be a good idea for you to call Mr. Massey or whatever the guy's name is, Kyle Massey, mm-hmm. I think they're ca- trying to call." And um, not actually Kyle Massey. That's, right, right. Yeah. Um, but then he, she picks up the phone and they said, "You better that phone better connect straight to Harvey." And like they're really getting, yeah. getting aggressive or whatever. And then the doors behind them open. And seven foot tall Eddie Murphy walks in. Yeah, this big, buff, black dude. I'm sorry to say it like that, but it's true. Walks in, who seriously looks like Eddie Murphy. Yeah, like yeah. his face looks like Eddie Murphy. Yeah, like he's. It's not like spot on, but it's definitely close enough that I definitely I would say he looks like Eddie Murphy. Right. And he walks in, and he's like seven feet tall. Like he's huge. This yeah. dude is enormous, and. <laughs> Uh, Sue turns around and he sees him and he looks at him and then he looks back at French and says, let's see what your medal's worth. And she just kind of gestures to him like, go get him. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, like it's it's played like really obvious. Mm-hmm. Like French is Sue's backup and like the fighter guy. And so That's... like as Sue calls French over to deal with this and like so as French starts fighting this guy, Sue immediately goes to the back office, busts it open where this guy in like a cowboy hat is sitting. <laughs> and this and is Harvey. Guy, this is Harvey. This is Harvey. And Harvey's immediately like, hey, hey, we can work something out. We can work something out. So as French is fighting this giant dude and like getting thrown through drywall and stuff. Yeah. Uh, as that is happening, it cuts back and forth to, like, Sue beating up Harvey. Like, and Sue just <laughs> straight up knows what he's... Yeah, doing. he's, like, going in there with fists flying, and he's got, like, a little billy club, like a little leather club oh, that he oh, grabbed yeah. from his car. And so he's, like, you know, he's, he's beating up on Harvey. And, you know, meanwhile, uh, uh, meanwhile, French is beating up, is getting beat up by and beating up this giant dude. Finally, uh-huh. he knocks him out, and another dude comes in, and like the, now he's fighting this other guy who's grabbed him by the throat and is holding him up against the wall. And Sue comes back in, and he just pokes his head in there, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" And he's like, "How do you think I'm doing? I'm yeah. getting my ass kicked. What? Well, do something!" And he's like, "I am watching Harvey." 
And, like, it's yeah. re- very much played for laughs. Like, this is a very goofy thing. And, like, Scott Atkins is being choked out. So Sue grabs, a, a like, a vase or something and smashes it over the guy's head. And they go back into the room. And now, like, Scott Atkins' suit has, like, a tear in it. Mm-hmm. And he's bleeding from his lip. Yeah. And by the way, when he says thrown through drywall... It's like there's it's like a square room and a very obvious extended little like, Yeah, I just was like just to be just to be especially for this scene and and the kind of the the fight scenes at the start of the movie had this problem more than the later ones but uh, like the major what was going to happen the, the major set pieces, moves yeah. set pieces seemed really telegraphed yeah like like a, there's that vase is sitting there looking yeah, huge like, and golden like scott is going to get thrown through a wall here so there's this one wall that seems really kind of just pointless. seems like a divider wall it really is just drywall scott goes through it like it's paper like yeah. it's cardboard and then scott gets in that same scene scott gets like thrown through a glass table or something yeah but it just there was just it looks some like, like the flimsiest there little was thing just either some hesitation or like the camera was too centered on that piece to where you just you, you knew, knew it was gonna happen you, knew, you know yeah and so, like, it's weird because, like, the early scenes have this problem. And then, like, the later on, the later in the movie, not really. They get more natural. Yeah, they yeah. get more natural. And I don't know what changed. Well, I think that's always interesting to me about, like, scenes like this where it's, like, there were debt collectors who, debt collectors who came, but they didn't have what it takes yeah. to do it. Yeah. But, like, it's so fortunate that, like, we're following the movie of the guys who, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like... yeah, it was, like, Sue very did obviously establish that... Yeah, Mad Alex and the Serb came here yeah. before and got run out by these bodyguards. <laughs> and, it, you know, it also, it is a little interesting, now that I'm thinking about it, this scene, if it was like, if you needed to make a scene for a movie to pitch it to someone else, this, I think, would be the scene. Yeah. That you would you would just shoot this scene and say, like, we want to make a movie that centers on these two characters and this is their job. Mm-hmm. And this basically demonstrates it. They drive up, they talk about the job, they go in there, you know, you see a big fight scene, you can see a couple big set pieces, and then the conclusion of it mm-hmm. is both of the, the bodyguards... Actually, the first bodyguard who was, like, who got beat up first, like, who was uh, came out first, he's not unconscious... The second one goes unconscious because he got knocked out. And then um, he basically, like, leaves. And, like, Scott Atkins is about to punch him. And he just, like, holds his hands up and just walks out. Yeah, it's it's very much like a... Like a okay, no, you, you got us. You, you, you busted me up. This is not, yeah, this is not worth the money. And they leave. And yeah. so Scott Atkins doesn't chase him down or anything. Because, uh, of course, he doesn't. Right. He doesn't need to. Right. So, and they go back into the back office where Harvey is. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I thought was really weird. Because I, I think I wrote down the dialogue... Well, I wrote down most of the most of the dialogue, well, some of the dialogue. So his suit is torn, and Scott Atkins looks pissed. He looks really mad. And then Harvey says, uh, what does Tommy want you to do? And Sue says, you don't want to know. And when they talked about it in the car, they didn't describe what he wants them to do. Mm-hmm. Besides just, like, beat him up and try to get the money. And then Harvey looks to French and says, what is it? And French just, like, wipes his lip and says, a kneecap. And then he goes, oh, no. And then he French grabs his leg and Sue beats his kneecap in. And I'm like, wasn't this the good guy who was like, I don't want to beat up people. I don't want to ruin their... for this life. And, like, later, like, in the next job, he's like, I don't want to be the guy who ruins someone's day. Dude, you may have ruined that guy's leg. Yeah. Like, for his whole life. Yeah. Like, he seemed... 
for the good guy of the duo, of the fresh-faced new guy who doesn't want to break the rules too much, yeah. he seems very ready to break this guy's kneecap. Yeah. I guess he's mad because, like, he had to fight the seven. I guess, but that's not fair. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is where I was starting to hope, because, again, the movie has spent a good amount of time on these jobs. This is where I'm starting to hope that, like, the character arc is maybe a Breaking Bad thing where mm. French starts to get okay with this kind of thing. More this okay. dark life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, he, they're driving to the next spot and French is complaining again. Like, you didn't <laughs> tell me there'd be two <laughs> dudes there. Or, <laughs> yeah, like, look, they messed up my suit. And he's like, yeah, well, you should get rid of the suit. And he says, the suit cost me $89. <laughs> Yeah, it's like... Which is, like, yeah, yeah. kind of funny. It is kind of funny, yeah. French is like, they messed up my suit. And Sue was like, why did you wear a suit? French is like, Tommy told me to make a good impression. The suit cost me $89. <laughs> and then, um, and then That's also, me. so at the stop, like, well, he says, hey, make a stop over here. And he's like, this is not on the sheet. And he's like, don't worry about it. He stops the car, and when he stops the car, the tires squeal. And uh, Sue says... He, like... He, the side of the car, the bottom of the side of the car, I think, scrapes against the curb. Yeah, something like that. And he says, hey, watch the white walls, I said. Which, I don't know if you know this, some tires have like a little white strip around them, and that's called a white wall. Oh, is it that? That's what I, it is. I thought it was the bottom of the side. Yeah, of the no, car. I was confused about that, too. I looked okay. it up. So, yeah, it's, he says, hey, watch the white walls. And then the two of them yell at each other, and like French is yelling at Sue, "This job is dangerous. You didn't tell me." Blah blah blah. And Sue, and he says, "You know, uh, uh, so you can you can say whatever about your car. I don't care." And then Sue says, "You know what? I thought, uh, and I don't have the exact quote written down, but basically he says, um, I thought that letting you drive my vintage 1971 Coupe de Ville would be nice for you to have some self-esteem on your first day, but I guess not." And um, <laughs> And then French is like, it is a nice car. And then he's like, look, kid, you're good at this job, but there's a dark streak to you. Now give me a minute. I'll be in and out in a minute. And he goes, he gets out of the car, and then, like, genuinely within, like, 60 seconds, he's back in the car, and he unrolls. He has a poster, and it's a poster for some old, like, 80s action movie, and you can see that it's, like, a ninja on the poster, and they have Louis Mandalore's eyes mm -hmm. in the, like, cut out on the ninja thing, and he says, hey, what do you think? And it says, like, there's, like, a review from somebody, and they say, like, this movie's so thrilling, but they've spelled thrilling wrong, and Scott Adkins is like, you know, there's two L's in thrilling, right? And Louis Mandalore's like, shut up. And then he's like, and then he starts like, doing the look of the character on the poster, and he's like, is that you? And he's like, hell yeah, that was me. And he's like, oh man, you were in a couple of movies? And they kind of banter about that a little bit. And it's really weird. Yeah. They, it starts out like, you know, like, oh yeah, you're in movies? And, you know, like, like nice banter. And then pretty immediately, French is like, the movie looks kind of garbage, though. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, man, that movie looks like garbage. And he's like, yeah, but I was in it, and I'm on the poster. And, like, he gets all yeah. defensive about it. Was it was just a weird tone kind of first bonding, <laughs> but then, like, really, like, elbowing Sue. And it's like... Yeah, and it's uh, like, they play for laughs, and it's kind of comedic, and I kind of like it. It's yeah, uh, again, again, like... Scott Atkins and Louis Mandalore are doing a good job. Yeah, the doing script the... isn't that great, but they are doing a good job being this, you know, These, duo. They're carrying the characters yeah. really yeah, well. Yeah. And I think actually the next scene they carry their characters really well. 
By the way, there's this mission music going on. And also, I think I mentioned that the cows were there at the end of last scene. Yeah. There were cows. So, um, they, they're going for the next job, and the next job is for a, a guy called Gordo. He uh, only Gordy. Owe, Gordy. They call them both. Oh, right. Um, so, he owes $40,000, and this is a number two. Okay? This is the bacon take. Mm-hmm. No, no. A number one is like, you kill yeah. him. Um, but a number two is the bacon take. You turn up the heat, and then you take the money. Um, and he asks, wait, so this guy owes 40000 the last guy owed 100000 why is this a 2 and that one's a, a 5? And he says, the level of violence is based on what the client wants. Yeah. So someone's, it's not just that people, it's not just that Tom, like, people owe Tommy money. Sometimes Tommy's men are hired to, to enforce other people's yeah, debts, like too. Yeah, like mailmen. I guess. Yeah, see, there's things introduced, like this whole ranking system that the characters, or at least French, thinks is stupid and gets explained. But it feels like just like, oh, why? If you have to spend so much time explaining it or whatever, cut it out of your script. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. a lot of like nonsense. Like sometimes it, a movie harps that something's stupid too much to where you're like, I agree, it is stupid. Why? Is yeah, it Scott Adkins keeps telling me what's wrong with the movie. So. <laughs> it's not a good idea for yeah. you to keep it in the movie. Um, so the two of them walk up, and they're going to Gordy's house, and there's mm-hmm. a guy washing a car out front, yeah. and he's this big, muscular dude, bald. And wh- I love this scene because L- Louis Mandalore plays Sue so great, and I love that without co- communicating to each other, uh, uh, French is also like on board with this tactic. And the very first thing he does is he walks up, and he compliments this bald guy and he compliments me says something like wow you're you're pretty strong dude and the guy's like can i help you and then i'm gonna swear here because i just love these lines he says man you know for a big guy you have fucking beautiful eyes you could be a model and then and he's saying this with like an aggressive tone and like anger on his face but he's saying you're beautiful you could be a model yeah. And then the the guy's just like, "What did you just What did you just say to me?" And then he says, "Yeah, man, I bet you could shift some tin." And then like, like he's saying this in an aggressive <laughs> way, like it's an insult. Yeah. And then French is like, "Yeah, man, you better learn how to take a compliment." Yeah, <laughs> Sue doesn't give out many compliments. You just got one. Yeah, and he's just like, "You guys need to leave." And he's like, "Oh, my compliments aren't good enough for you, you piece of shit." And then like that starts the fight, and it's like. Such a yeah. weird way for the yeah. start. Yeah, so a few things. So yeah, Gordy's house, like he lives in a rich area. You can tell it's a very, you know, Oh, it's such house. a nice house. Yeah. Uh, and the bodyguard guy is, yeah, washing this car. And I swear, it's like it's like they asked this guy to try to sound like a meathead. Because yeah. he genuinely sounds like, hey, you talking to me? Yeah, what are you doing? Oh, you big guy, I do big muscle stuff. Literally sounds like a voice he's putting on. Yeah. But yeah, like, there's this little back and forth, and yeah, like Bob said, by this point, it's, you know, French and Sue are developing goofy. the relationship. Like, Sue, like, just kind of looks over at French a bit, like, you know, kind of 
tilts his head and French is like, okay. And French goes in to fight the guy while Sue goes out to find Gordy. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, they... It's they like... They gotta swing a thing. Yeah, yeah, and so they go to the backyard and Gordy is sitting there with his wife. And his wife's name is Angelica. You find that out in a minute. But he says, hey, uh, uh, Mrs. Car... I think their last name is Carp. Um, uh, Mr. Carp, Mrs. Carp, I think you know why I'm here. And they both go, no. And he says, uh, $40,000. And uh, Gordy says, oh, that. And Angelica's like, you dumb piece of shit. I, you said you'd take care of that. And and Gordy's like, oh, honestly, I'm in good with Big Tony. so Or not Big Tony, a Big Tommy. So it should be fine. And then by then, Scott Adkins has walked into the scene. And Sue's like, we work for Big Tommy. And he's like, oh, that changes things. And so then he says, here's what we're going to do. And, and Sue kind of like brushes Angelica's hair out of the way. And he puts a hand on her shoulder. And he says... My, my my associate here will follow you into the house. You will take him to your uh, wherever you have the most money. You will take as much cash out of that safe as you can. And then uh, you will give it to him. And once he's done counting it, if there's enough money there, you should hope that he doesn't beat you up. Meanwhile, if you don't do this, I'll take out my vengeance on Angelica here. And she just sits there calmly listening to this. Yeah. And then... Gordy's like, okay, okay, let's go. And he starts walking. Oh, no, before he does, Angelica goes, uh, <laughs> Gordy's safe is in the basement. She just announces yeah. it. And she goes, he goes, Angelica. He's like, just go pay them. Yeah. Like, okay. she's fed up with Gordy. Gordy's actor is, <laughs> Gordy's actor Gordy. is doing this thing where Gordy is, like, Really, like, Nervous. rapidly, nervously, and stuttering everything he says, like, oh, okay, because there's no, no, no need to hurt her. You know, yeah. I, 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 I thought I paid it. You know, we can, we can do this fine. And, and, <laughs> and like, Angelica is just cool as a cucumber, even though her life is in danger. Yeah. So, like, French just like punches Gordy once and picks him up and starts dragging him off. Yeah. And so they go yeah. into the house, and so then this is a very strange scene because we, uh, we go, we follow. Both of them, but I'm, I'm going to only describe one at a time. Gordy is is leading Scott Adkins French into into this office, and, and he finds the safe, and he's looking at the safe, and he's like, I, I don't know if, you know, maybe I can make a deal with you. I don't know what the VIG is, but I can give you and Sue 5000 each. And he says, look, I don't care about this. I don't care about making a deal with you. I want you to just do what Sue said. And he says, like, no, really. I mean, I can, and he, like, punches him in the gut, and he falls to the ground, and he's like, okay, okay. And he gets a safe out, and he puts it down, and he's like, key. We need a key. Where's the key? Yeah. I don't know where the key is. Punches him again. Where's the goddamn key, Gordy? <laughs> Gordy's like, uh oh. He grabs some keys, and he's like, I think it's one of these. He punches him again. It's this one. Yeah. He takes the thing. Gordy! Yeah. He opens it up, and then, and then Scott Atkins looks in there, and he's like, what the hell? There's like over $100,000 in here. You could have just paid us. Why did you accept a beating first? Like, what is this? And Gordy's like, oh. Yeah, and he's like, like sniveling. And he's like, I'm, I'm very um, sanctimonious. Yeah, and, yeah, like while Scott is doing this, Gordy... Oh, he says, I'm very parsimonious. That's parsimonious. what he says. And Scott Atkins is just looking at him like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I wrote down the note. I don't know why Gordy's actor did anything he just did. Because while Scott is doing this, Gordy's actor, and I know you can't see this, um, you know, viewers, but it, it's almost like he's, like, in church or something. He's like... It's almost... It, I almost vaguely feel like this is some kind of weird kink for him. Like, the character is maybe supposed to have some, kind of, some sort of 
weird like, kink about being punished or yeah, being beat up. Because is, it, yeah. otherwise it makes no sense for him to take so many steps to just give the money yeah, like, that he has. Make it so... I, 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 that was probably the point of the scene. Like, Gordy makes it so complicated when really he has more than enough the whole time. Um, <laughs> he and he's taking punch up. after punch. But yeah, it's just like, Gordy, and, you masochist? Yeah, he calls yeah. him a masochist. Yeah, French does. Meanwhile... Angelica is having a polite conversation with Sue, and this is about to get weirder. Sue says, uh, uh, she says, um, where's Mono? And he says, uh, was that your, uh, your butler? And, uh, or was that your bodyguard? And she, she gets up and she pours a cup of tea, and she says, uh, Mono is my lover. And, uh, and he goes, oh, he was, was he? Was he also your gardener? And she pours him some more tea. And she says, no. And she puts the tea thing down and she walks out of frame and says, that position's still open. And then she walks back into frame in front of him and he's like looking down and he looks up and she is completely naked. And she says, let's see if you're up to the task. And then they just do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is like some Grand Theft Auto 5 kind of thing where it's just like hyper exaggerated just you know this is nonsense this is nonsense so Mono is the guy that they beat up yeah, all the way yeah. okay so yeah. she sits in his lap and they're doing it and like you see her butt and the, another angle you see her booba and I like yeah. booba yeah. I do like seeing that but um, that shows you this is a rated R movie no kids allowed uh -huh. and so they're doing it and that's great. And then Scott Atkins walks back into into the scene, and like Gordy's not with him, and he's got the bag of money, and he like just kind of like averts his eyes, walks yeah. over, pours himself a cup of tea, <laughs> and he he like loudly clinks it down so they'll know he's back. And uh, uh, Sue sees him and goes, "Oh," <clears throat> and just kind of like pushes her off of his lap and pulls his pants up. Yeah. And they start walking away, and he's like, "What the hell was that?" And he's just like, hey, man, I don't pass up an opportunity. This does not come for me once. I mean, it really doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. Um, and so uh, then, you know, he tosses the cup over his shoulder. And then they just leave. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like okay. uh, supposed to be, yeah, this comedic thing where French is having this terrible Very strange. time. Yeah, dealing with Gordy while, yeah, Sue <laughs> basically just... Yeah, just and like they talk about yeah. like and this is where um where French says I uh I don't want to be a guy who ruins someone's day, which is again really weird after he like That's kneecapped a guy and then mm -hmm. Sue says you're gonna have to leave that Jiminy Cricket stuff out out like at the door because yeah. like because like there are days when this job gets so tough like and he describes a scene where he says that like one time when he was working. There was a guy who wouldn't pay up until Sue held his son out the out like a third floor window, and he describes like this is what he he was doing. And Scott Atkins says, "Yeah, but you you wouldn't have dropped the kid, right?" And Sue stands there and like he really thinks about it and he goes, "Really hope not. I was feeling pretty lazy that day. I should have been threatening the father." And he gets back in the car and it's like giving us a little insight into like Sue's mindset about this, like. He's been doing this mm -hmm. for so long that he can... He's kind of gray. He's gone very morally gray about it, you know, mm -hmm. and so he recognizes that he isn't as good a man as he used to be, and he's not sure where his line really is. Mm -hmm. And then we see cows. Um, and... <laughs> okay. Yeah, they... 
Yeah, is this where they start? Uh, no, I, I they still that. have to. They, Mono comes back. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they get in the car to leave. Um, but they drive down the street. They drive down the street a bit. I I must have looked away because I got kind of confused by this. They start to leave, drive down the street, but then Mono and like three other guys stop them. Yeah, they pull their car in front of them. Pull, okay. Just down the street. And basically it's just like, oh, well, we got to do one more fight before Yeah, and here. Scott Atkins like, wait, can we just leave? And he says, look, if we run away from these hired goons, then we're going to look bad and it's going to make Big Tommy look bad. So you might as well, you might, we, you know, yeah. we might as well beat him up. And besides... Part of your job is to be, keep my back, okay? And then he opens up the glove compartment and puts on some brass knuckles. And he says, I'm going out there. And then he's like, okay, fine. So they get out there, and then they have a cool slow-mo fight scene where Scott Adkins beats up three guys while, uh, um, while, uh... Sue. Sue. Now I keep wanting to say Louis Mandalore, um, of Mandalore Gaming. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> uh, he beats up, uh, he beats up what's-his-face. And Mono. The and meathead guy, yeah. The meathead guy. And so they have a cool fight scene or whatever. And this is part where they play this weird country song for some reason. Uh, yeah. Don't know why. Yeah. And they never play this music again. Yeah, it's, it's an okay fight scene. But I mean, it's, again, a very good neighborhood. So it just clashes with that. Seems There's this four-person fight scene. Yeah, because yeah. when you told me, it sounds like this should be in, like, a really grimy part of town. Yeah, no, this is a, like, super affluent part of town. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, with uh, Gordy's house, again, I just, I bring up Grand Theft Auto Five things. Because it's kind of the deal with, like, yeah. Michael. You know, Michael. Like, Michael's very rich. You know, lives in, yeah, stereotype suburbia, but uh-huh. uh, has the wife that, you know, gets with the gardener or whatever. Yeah, yeah I think it's a like yoga that. instructor in GTA 5, but, but that, it's basically... That, like, imagine a street brawl, but yeah. Happening in, like, so, a really nice neighborhood. <laughs> it's an okay fight scene. The two beat up the four and then get in the car and, and drive, drive off. Away, yeah. And I, uh... Anytime, can I just say, anytime we see a fight scene in a movie where, like, People are left unconscious in the middle of the street, and then everybody drives away. I'm always like, I really hope you didn't drive over a finger or a hand or something as you yeah. drove away. No, they don't. But, like, uh, that's what I'm thinking every time I see them drive away. I'm like, oh, man, there was a guy in the street. I hope you moved him. Right, right. With this and that first job also being in, like, suburbia, yeah, it's kind of odd that, you know, the cops aren't shown... Showing up, yeah. Such. Actually, they they don't show up until the very end of the movie. So it's it, it, it's, it's a just little kind of weird feelings. All right, so the so that's three... kind of the end of the first day, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah. So this when... is where my notes end, by the way. Okay, when the scene ended, I checked uh, how far we were in the movie. Uh-huh. we were forty minutes in. We were halfway through the movie. Oh. Yeah. And uh, this is the end of the first day. And I, no I, I have real a lot, overarching plot. I have story. a lot to talk about pacing wise, but I might save that for the end. Okay. Okay. Because it was like, oh my god! But we spent like the first half of the movie on this first day. But it, you know, like if the, the movie, rest of the movie had moved at that pace, this movie would be three hours long. Yeah, yeah. It's like the movie heard me because right after I complained, this is. Connor's third law. Yeah. Right after I complained about, oh my, they've only gotten through like one day. Then, uh, you know, they drive the car somewhere, but park it, and and uh, Sue is like, okay, that's enough for this afternoon. That's enough for today. Drop me off and pick me up tomorrow, and yeah. and we'll continue this. They probably talk more back and forth. I, I don't yeah, there was the some dialogue. yeah dialogue, um, and we do get we, we get a sense of like you know Scott Atkins goes to sleep for the night in his very mm-hmm. very smoky apartment. I think this may be the last time we see his apartment, right. and then we see Sue go, and he's 
he goes and sleeps yeah, at, with like a prostitute that he uh-huh. knows, and like they they have kind of a rapport, but otherwise he doesn't have really anyone else. Yeah, there's a bit life. of back and forth there. Like Sue shows her the movie poster, and she does the same thing. Like isn't the really L- supposed to have two L's? Yeah. Um, Which, I don't know why you would ask that question. I feel like you should just state as a fact, like, ah, they misspelled thrilling. Yeah, and then she's like, babe, I, I need you to spot me some cash. How much? 300 bucks? And he's just he like, pulls out ah, well, you know, you gotta deal with it, uh, you know, in love and whatever. And yeah. I don't remember. He just like, oh, says some things, but it's basically implied that, like, sometimes she leans on him for cash and... He's it's you know, an t- you know, absolute throwaway scene. Is yeah, there any reason to have? That? I think it's supposed to indicate like how do, like how how lonely his life is. That like his most of his companionship is with a prostitute. But like I don't know. That's not necessarily. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. the movie hasn't fully started it yet. But about this point, it starts to try to show more of like Sue's what his life, life or yeah. what he thinks, establish him more. But again, yeah. it's not it's not really doing that all that much. Not yet. All yeah. That well. I um, just was thinking about Magic and Amir where Amir goes home. <gasps> just like where it shows like when he goes home after oh, a yeah. long day of yeah, after, being Amir. After, yeah, and then he's like laying down in his bed. And there's, like, chicken nugget boxes <laughs> all around his bed. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say, like, when he goes back to see his father, talks about his father and what his dad did. All that stuff <laughs> his Bob Legs, or was it his dad or his Bob Legs, supine behind the car tires? That's <laughs> <laughs> he's supposed to be All I'll other mention is that, yeah, Scott goes back to his apartment and, like, he takes off his ripped suit. Like, it really is very obviously ripped in one shoulder. Like, it's ruined. He takes off his suit and, like, throws it down. He sits down to take off his shoes and he, like, ah, because his feet hurt because he's been running a lot. He wore good shoes and gotten all these fights and all this stuff. Like, and it is just, like, ah, and he just lies back and it's all, like, what a day. Yeah, what a day, yeah. <laughs> so, the next day, immediately, they go to Tommy. So, you know, Scott, French, and Sue are going to talk to Tommy again. Um, and while, and they're there, and there's also this, like, priest guy who... Yeah. They, they mentioned this, and I see why they mentioned it, but it's very odd when it does happen. There's this, like, priest guy sitting there with Tommy because I think he's going to sell Tommy this old, like, World War II gun. Yeah, this, like, MP40 German antique Like, like, this priest guy keeps chiming in or such, and Sue's like, hey, what you got there? And, you know, the the guy in the camera very obviously shows that the guy, like, you know, the priest guy shows it off, and it's this old gun, and Sue's like, oh, cool, cool. Yeah, it's a cool gun, yeah, and... Then he wraps it back up, and um, the priest guy is not that important. Otherwise, no, he doesn't. I don't think he ever shows up again. Yeah, it's it's which is why, like I said, when it happened, I was like, why is this? Going why on? is this happening in this movie? And later on, it kind of makes sense, yeah. but like even then, barely. it's like, like it barely. It doesn't matter really. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, spoiler, the gun is in uh, the movie. That's that's the reason this is being established. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but I already know they have guns. Yeah. yeah. There are more guns than people in this country. <laughs> like, uh, it shouldn't be surprising they have guns. Yeah. So I don't have the best notes here, but 
for what I remember, so Tommy is Tommy is going to take French and Sue along to see like someone even higher up the crime boss ladder. Yeah. Like a guy that Tommy works for. Mm -hmm. Like Tommy was Or Tommy works with. Tommy not yeah, necessarily yeah. for directly. Like Tommy was impressed by what French did. You know, yeah. French did these jobs and all of them went successfully, even though they all went, you know, complicated. Yeah. They still got the money and especially Gordy's money back to Tommy. So Tommy's like all right. Very impressed, so he's gonna right. take him to meet a very big, big deal guy. What was his name? Barbosa. Barbosa. Yeah. Um, oh, right. I forgot what his last name is. Yeah. It doesn't get it's, mentioned yet. I'll mention it. Yeah, later. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, they go to this really fancy mansion to meet Barbosa. And yeah. there may be... I don't remember if there were a couple other jobs, but they're not that important. If there were any other jobs, you know. It was those three the first day, and then, like... Barbosa has something big for us. Oh, Let's go talk okay. to him. Yeah. yeah. So, so they go talk to Barbosa. And Barbosa is, uh, is yeah. It is this. I know. I keep mentioning this. It is this GTA Vice City mansion full <laughs> of hot girls? Like seriously, this is where finally the casting call for like hot babes came in because there's like ten of them playing in the pool, and then they go to Barbosa's back room. And there's like another him, ten in there, and it's that thing that happens in like music videos where it's these hot girls in just like uh, you know. Like bikinis. a thin silk robe and a bikini. And, a bikini, oh, and like... they're just standing there. They're just posing. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of they're just <clears throat> there to be eye candy. And it's like, oh, I see, he's this rich. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> he's rich enough to hire women to look good. I always wonder what it would be like to actually see those parties. Because, like, I assume they wouldn't just, like... Music video posing. I don't know. Actual rich like, guys hey, house. babe, do you want to accompany me as I sit in my back room and smoke Cuban cigars? And all you have to do is just stand next to the wall in that pose where, like, you put your <laughs> leg and kind of lean against it like you're yeah. a Bond girl or something. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was weird. Anyways, they all sit down, and he says, uh, what, "What is this?" He says, um, "He talks about there's this guy." And he wants them to go after. Right. And his name is Connor. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I believe that's I'm literally what he said. Yes, when... I said, oh no, I'm in the movie. <laughs> so, okay, so Barbosa is played by Tony Todd, mm -hmm. who was most known for his role in Candyman. Uh, oh. I looked up in IMDb. But in this movie, he is trying way too hard. He's trying like, way too hard. He's yeah. just like. Well, you know, first he, you know, shakes hands with Tommy, and Tommy, and, and he knows Sue, but Tommy introduces French, and there's this, once again, quirky kind of dialogue where it's like, uh, your name's Frenchie, right? Uh, you know, a, a French name and a British accent, a Euro world travel, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Like, the lines are all really overwritten, and his acting is, like, really forced, and it's really disappointing because Tony Todd in Candyman is incredible. I mean, I don't know. If you've seen the movie, but he's crazy good in it, and he's yeah. a really, really good actor, really dedicated to his work. I mean, the whole just having bees in your mouth thing yeah. is pretty insane on its own, and like he's just a, a dude who's willing to go to really far lengths mm -hmm. for his craft, and they just didn't use him well. Yeah, I think here... I think he thought or was told he had to carry the movie or something because all of his line delivery is like, and this guy, this Connor guy, 
he took from me. You he know what that's a... like, Tone Tommy. You, you get taken from. You get a taken when from. When someone steals from you. And it's yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> Calm down. Right. Deliver him like a human, please. Yeah. Right. So, okay, so Barbosa, who here we learn that his full name is Barbosa Fabioso. <laughs> yeah, that sounds totally <laughs> Yeah. I like that. So Barbosa wants Barbosa's problem is this guy named Connor and do they give his full name here as I well? I think they do give his full name, but I don't remember what it was. It's Connor Mulligan. That's right, yeah. They wanted to make him the most Irish dude possible. <laughs> Why are the names in this movie so bad? I mean, like Connor Mulligan is like uh, the kind of name that like if his name was Mickey O'Shaughnessy, that'd be the only way his name could be. I mean, or I guess l- l- like uh, uh, Lucky Charms Leprechaun would also be a I good mean, Irish name. Mulligan is not a last name. Mulligan is a word. Mulligan. Can't Mulligan be a last name. sounds like it could be a last name. I think I it don't... started as a last name and oh. became a word. Okay. Maybe I don't know. Either way, okay. he's very Irish, and they call him Irish, and he's very Irish. Right. So, what Barbosa needs. French and Sue to do is to find Connor, and I thought they needed to kill Connor. But yeah, I'm pretty you sure. Say that I'm pretty sure him? they do need to kill him because they ask what number you want, like a ten, a five, a two. He asks for a one. Yeah. So okay, major crime boss wants Tommy's group to find Connor and kill him. So French and Sue set out to do that. There's a lot of money on the line. They'll get paid really well for this from Barbosa. And also, you know, Barbosa's a big crime man, so they don't want to let him down. All right. Yeah, I, and oh. they, well, I do want to say also that, you know, this is all happening because, they're, like, they're being sent on this job, but as part of this, like, they're, the, Barbosa keeps l- turning to this, his wife to be, his fiance, oh, yeah. uh, named Amanda. Who's like, oh yeah, that kind of guy sucks. <laughs> and like, she kind of doesn't add anything to the conversation and she starts to get up to leave. And Barbosa's like, actually, why don't you girls stay here for a minute and stick around for this meeting? And it's really weird that he does that because it's like, they're not doing anything in this meeting. But yeah. later we find out they were doing something in the meeting. They weren't actually doing anything in the meeting, they were just listening. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm going to try to explain this back half best I can, but I must admit there is some very kind of confusing disconnect somewhere in here. Maybe I'll pick it up while retelling it, Yeah. I don't want to blow the whole thing now. Yeah. So, all right. Now, French and Sue are headed out to find Connor. Uh, they, they know the last place he worked at, which is this bar. So they go to the bar, they walk in, and the bartender's behind it, and he's like, Hey, we're, hey closed. we're closed. And once again, you know... Fight. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, now yeah, you're going to explain Sue too much. goes to the bartender and is like, Oh, you tell us what we want to know. We just want to know about this thing. And he says, I'm going to fight you. And then a big buff guy comes out, and Scott yeah. Atkins beats him up in yeah. the background. While Sue, I will say, this is sort of amusing and also sort of horrifying. Part of... How Sue is interrogating him is he snatches a single toothpick off the off the bar and he's got it kind of tucked between his fingers and he punches the guy and he's like poking small holes. 
And like yeah. the first time I saw this, I was like, why am I hearing a little piercing sound? I didn't even notice him grab the toothpick. But like he's doing that and like while the guy's like laying on the ground, like going like I won't tell you anything, he just like very casually just like stabs him in the cheek with it. Yeah, like with it like and every so often when the guy uh, isn't given uh, the info, yeah, Sue just pokes him back and I think the same spot with the toothpick. And he's like, Stop and doing that thing with the toothpick yeah, And it's like on one hand, I'm like, that's, I guess, kind of clever, but at the same time, it's also pretty horrifying. That's yeah. intense torture. Yeah. yeah, and, like, we're not seeing, like, g- gushes of blood from it or anything, but, like, mm-hmm. it would, st- like, the idea still very much sets my skin crawling. But either way, that's yeah. the scene that happens, and <laughs> they tell him, uh, here's where we, uh, what, is it, like, last paycheck went to this um, place or something? Like oh yeah. Someone's... By the way, just so you know, they were claiming that Connor was skimming a lot of money off the top. That's why they're after him, mm. right? Um, but but when they go when they go to this bartender guy, the bartender guy's like, "What? Why are you after Connor? He's a great right. guy." Yeah, specifically, it was very specifically mentioned. Like, Con- no, Connor's a great guy. He wouldn't do anything to upset anyone. Yeah, that's so weird because like. The collectors don't care about, like, who you are as a person. It gets weirder. Okay, so very, very standard scene. Sue interrogates the guy while French beats up the bodyguard. Mm -hmm. They get the info that this guy named Tim, who works there, knows where Connor is. And Tim's address is listed on, like, the last paycheck that the bar guy has. Something like that. So they They get sent to to Tim. Tim. Yeah, so they leave the scene, go to Tim... Talk a little bit. I have more characters that I was going to push, them push on the, the door over. open. Actually, I do want to say Sue says something like, "Like the Sue and him have a conversation, and French have a conversation about like, do you, you don't really have to kick the door down every time. You think do you have a better way?" And he says, "Uh, yeah, I, I think I do." And when he gets there, what does French do? He says, yeah, uh, "Yeah, this." So yeah, they're still doing the back and forth banter of like French is like, "Oh man, does it have to be this way?" Kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, okay, fine. I'd like to see you lead this. Yeah. And French is like, "All right, sure." So they go up to Tim's apartment and knocks on the door. <laughs> knocks on the door once again. It's like multiple people in this apartment, and is the this door opens. Where it's kind of smoky because like this one, yeah, this, this one they just smoking the ganja. Yeah, it's just and 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 this guy comes to open the door and and French is just very coolly like, "Hey, your downstairs neighbor, I, I see smoke pouring out of your window." Or, and when okay? the guy like turns around, confused, French pushes the door open and pushes themselves inside. Yeah. And so then she was like, okay, I'm kind of impressed. That did work. And he's. It still seems like it takes longer, though. Yeah, but you know, it's not as violent. And we, we know how much French detests violence. Right. That's oh. why he's been beating people up in basically every scene yeah. and also was totally down to break that guy's kneecap. Yeah, that's really why he's been long. getting a little more okay with it each scene, but still complaining each yeah. scene. And oh. so they talk to Tim, and Tim is like, Tim is like oh man, Connor's a great guy. And, like, everyone's just constantly saying, Connor's this great guy. Yeah. And I'm like, we get it, movie. We get it. There's something more going on. We know. Uh-huh. Okay, you don't have to have every single person who's ever crossed paths with Connor yeah. mention how great a guy he is. Yeah. So, once again, Tim is, like... Like, the only way no, it could be weirder is if they were all, like, talking about how he was great. And they were like, oh, he saved my sister's life. 
he is. he cured my. I was missing a foot before I met Connor, and he healed me. I can yeah. walk again. Like right. it sounds like a creepy like game. It's like every NPC you go to talk to is just like Connor's a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's yeah, all they're programmed to say. It is weird. But yeah, yeah, it is very weird. But yeah, they uh, talk to Tim. So just and, another real basic kind of scene where first like. Tim's being tight-lipped, then he gets threatened a bit, Sue does some more threatening, and Tim reveals what he knows, which um, is that uh, hold on, um, Connor lived with, uh, Con- Connor had a girlfriend, Tim, right? So, Con- okay, Connor is not there where Tim is, Tim is going to direct them somewhere else, Yeah, you can start to see what, this is so <laughs> stupid, and so Tim has a picture of Connor, and also an index card with Connor's address. He just has those at the ready. If yeah, like not even like I'll write this down for you. Like he has picture, index <laughs> card. Here you go. I, I thought I thought something was gonna be sus with that. Is no. He? Oh, okay. I was gonna ask, like, that. is he actually Connor? <laughs> or like, yeah, no, that's not Connor. No. So Tim gives them this stuff, and they leave. And Tim directs them to this house where. What's it's like a word? it's like a I, hippie commune. Yeah, kind of I keep saying art house, but it's not that. But it is like it's yeah, a bunch like of like artists, yeah. starving artists living together, bohemian and lifestyle. They're all living together. All right, so French and Sue go there. You know, they're getting led down all these paths or whatever. They're I, not dead ends. They're, they're getting not. ahead. It's just that like it's kind of like um, I don't know. It's like a, a scavenger hunt, except yeah. every. Every step of the scavenger hunt is like, okay, now go over there. Okay, now go over there. Like, you're not getting additional clues. Though You get the same clue over and over. Right. Connor's a great guy. Connor's yeah. a great guy. Connor's a great guy. Go this place. Go that place. Go this place. Yeah, so the, uh, you know, the back and forth dialogue between French and Sue this time was about, you know, Sue said, like, yeah, that was cool, nice how you got in the door, but that's not going to work every time. You know what does work every time? A headbutt to the nose. But you don't want to break their nose. You just want to lightly tap it. And French is like, I get, okay, lightly light tap, tap it. Yeah. Light tap. Got it. Light tap. Light tap. Light tap. Yeah, they say light tap, light tap like five or six times. It's not going to be a light tap. No, of course not. Of course, of course not. Then, but I mean, like, just, I want you to picture how many times you think it would be funny for them to be like, a light tap. Uh-huh. Like, a light tap. Like, a light tap. Stop. No. Oh, no, they keep going. They'll do light it like tap. three more times. Yeah, light tap. All right. They pull up to the house. They go knock on the door. Someone answers. They ask where Connor is. The guy says, Connor's not here. And so French tries to do the headbutt, but wacky. He oh, breaks no. the nose, and the guy's bleeding all out. And oh. Sue's like, I said a light tap. I thought that was a light. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, See, like, and, and, like and this no. movie's best moments aren't these moments. Because, yeah. like, the first couple inter- like first couple of debt collection scenes were kind of fun because there was an objective that wasn't just, do you know where he is? But, like, these scenes are kind <laughs> of just... Oh, my They God. just kind of go on they and on. straight up go to, like, five different places trying to find oh, Connor. Gosh. So I'm trying to sort of rush, rush through them. Yeah. I'll bring this up. This doesn't end up being anything. I thought it was going to be. I thought the subtitles might have spoiled the movie because the guy who French <laughs> headbutts and basically knocks out, I thought the subtitles said Connor, colon, ugh. But that guy's uh, not Connor. No, that's not Connor. But, all right. They get here, and there's there's an Asian woman as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if she... I don't remember her name. I really wish I... 
I remember the dialogue here because this is where it feels like there's kind of a disconnect. You know, she says, Connor's not here and you need to go talk to Amanda. Um, yeah. And this is where they just believe her and go down that path instead. It's kind of weird because they say you need to talk to that B word, Ama- Amanda. Yeah. Connor's a great guy. He and his daughter. He yeah. were. Amanda's evil. Yeah, evil. well, that's according to this Asian that. woman. According to this Asian woman, Amanda's evil, and this Asian woman, like they have this whole thing where, like, he, they basically do the whole "you wouldn't hit a woman" thing. Yeah, like and Sue keeps trying to beat this woman up, and like French he's about keeps, to, and then French gets in the stopping way, stopping him. Like, hey, come on, no. Damn, don't don't hit a woman. And then she like I mean he doesn't directly say that, but that's basically what's happening, and she like spits in their yeah, face. She and then, legit she genuinely spits in Sue's face. And, and like not yeah. not a, a finger touch no, they won't hit a woman. Which I guess I'm glad, but at the same time I'm like, this seems like a real double standard when you like, like snapped a kneecap for earlier, less. Right. And like you, you punched mono in the head with brass knuckles. Multiple times. He's and probably dead. Cheek right. Yeah, I... Yeah. yeah, stabbing a dude in the cheek. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a little... Especially, like... I mean, I guess it's not really that surprising, too, because, like, Sue apparently dangled a kid from a three-story right. building right. a lot. Right, right. So, like, the French the... has the problem. Sue would yeah. have no problem. Yeah, and, like, I think that's consistent for Sue's character... But I think the movie's just afraid to show that. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what that really says. Whether I don't even know if it, it would have been better if he if they'd shown it. Maybe it well, would have been worse. Does this woman fight, too? or she? No. So I guess, but there are a lot of people who don't fight that they beat up. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, Gordy doesn't I, fight. I guess, see, like, it's even more of, like, French running into new, uncomfortable situations and him not being as okay with this you know, debt collecting thing. But again, it's like, you're more than halfway through, dude. Start, you know, stop complaining. Yeah, stop complaining. (laughs) Just realize this is part of the job. And like, also, Sue threatened Angelica earlier and and French had nothing to say about that. I guess because he was still working under the assumption, but like, you wouldn't really... I guess. I don't know. Either way, they're going... (laughs) They get this information from the... So, yeah, at this house, they get the information from the woman that Amanda... You know, Barbosa's girl knows what's going on and where to find Connor. So, and maybe there was a line of, like, Connor's not here, but I yeah. didn't hear that, which is why I got very confused why they the two suddenly, like, it's like they turn around. And I think they do say that Connor's not here, but it is very yeah, weird this, that they're just believing. This woman just very quickly convinces them that they need to find Amanda and track her down now. Yeah, she knows where Connor is. So that's what they do. They and go find Amanda. They go they... back to Barbosa's house, where they see her, uh, you know, getting ready to get out of the car. And they have a conversation that's really interesting. And I think this oh, is yeah. where Louis Mandalore really shows that he's a great actor. Because, like, they give him some actually decent dialogue and, like, a sad backstory. Mm-hmm. And he carries it pretty well. And Scott Adkins reacts pretty well. And, like... Like, that's why I, why I think this movie is sort of good, in a fun I mean, way, but there are parts of the movie that just drag for no yeah. reason. Like, we should, like, I feel like, because with the whole, like, house hunting thing, 
<laughs> it, sh- yeah. it should have just been like a like a montage, like you know where he is. No, maybe one fight or yeah, something, yeah, but like, yeah. yeah. Uh, a montage definitely would have been better than um, I'm always than spending this much time. Though. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's the one conversation while they're scoping out Barbosa's place for Amanda, where where Louis Mandalore gets to you know share Sue's dramatic backstory. It. Yeah, it's just like one conversation. It comes on pretty sudden, and it's all at once. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember what his backstory was? He had a small kid. Yeah, he had a daughter. I, maybe you know more than me. I'm trying to remember. I I really just like did not pay attention for this scene. Oh yeah, no, his daughter died. Oh, that's you know what it was. Um, I believe if I remember correctly, um, he his daughter died, and um. He he started taking these jobs because he needed the money because she died of leukemia, and he the like Scott Atkins asked him like is that what you, like he said he says like do you drink so much so that you can forget all the bad things you've done and he says I drink so much so that I can for you know I can forget my daughter's face because I'm every time I do any job I think about her and that that's one of the reason I got into this work but like I don't have a wife anymore blew that. You know, and I I don't have a daughter, and like that like that really, and like it's like it's he does a good job delivering the lines and delivering the story, and like he you know it's very touching and stuff, but at the same time it also it is all just kind of dumped here in this one scene, yeah, and that's kind of not great, especially since like we just learned that Connor has a daughter, and so we know as an audience. That this is about to be a thing where, like, oh, there's some yeah. parallel. I'm like, oh yeah, I... like, I think, like, like early if they... on, if he had mentioned, like, I had a family once and, like, just sort of... It kind was... of brushed it off, like, they're not right. in the picture anymore. And but it's like, the reason they're, they're not in the picture is because their, you know, wife left him after the daughter yeah, died. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, uh, full admittance that, yeah, for that scene, I... Was not paying attention. I was okay. I was confused <laughs> enough at what just happened at the house that I know that scene happened. Mm. I know that basically Sue's entire backstory got dumped all at once, but I forgot <laughs> most of the details. Also, I think so. part of the like I think that's probably the best best non fight scene in the movie because like you get to see the characters both be sort of emotional and also one of the things that I like about the scene is that they don't rely on flashbacks. He tells the story, and they just let Louis Mandalore carry the scene with his acting, instead of having to be, like, hearing a gravelly voiceover while he talks about his daughter dying of leukemia. You know, a a worse movie would have cut to black and white footage of a girl in a hospital bed. You know, like, all that. Like, they would have done all that. No, this movie just, it's a side view of the car. He's sitting there looking out the window, and he's kind of muttering to himself. And also to Scott Adkins, who's in the background of the shot, visible, and he's like, Oof, I just opened a can of worms. I'm so sorry. And he's like, you're not the one who gave her leukemia. Like, you don't have to be sorry. Mm, and there's yeah. nobody to be mad at at this point. It was years ago. I can't, like, I've been doing this for 20 years. Mm. Yeah. You know? And, like, it's just kind of sad. And it's like, okay, yeah, good actor carrying the scene. Yeah. Then... They go, they follow then, Amanda who gets in her car and drives yeah, away. Yeah, then, then Amanda comes out of Barbosa's place and gets and I gotta in the say, car and they go the, follow her. The way they follow her it seems insane to me. Like, they're following her, like, 
10 feet behind her car. Yeah, it is so... Like, there's not even... Like, would know she's mean. And, like, she stops somewhere, and they are parked, like, right behind her. And as soon as she leaves, they leave with her. They follow right behind her, and also apparently follow her for half of a day. Yeah. Like, I thought they'd follow her somewhere (laughs) and then confront her, but, yeah, like, she leaves Barbosa's place, goes shopping, like, eats lunch with a friend... They're still, like, yeah, like, like there's the part where she's her. sitting, you know that like classic sort of scene, like they don't shoot inside the restaurant, they shoot, the, there's like a table sitting outside the restaurant, and she's eating and talking with a friend, and you're seeing it in the reflection of like a passenger mirror, and then like the camera kind of pans out, and it's like, she could, she, like, if she were to throw a quarter at the parking meter that they're sitting next to, she might have a chance of getting in. Like, yeah. that's how close <laughs> they are to her. And she's seen their faces, so it's not clear why she doesn't recognize them instantly. Right, they just, they follow her for way too long. Way too long. And then, you know, Sun is setting by the time when they, they, yeah, they when finally, they finally confront her. I don't know, she's like... At a front door, like yeah, she's at an apartment building, and she's screaming at this apartment building. It's like I'm the best f you've ever had, blah blah blah. And she storms back to her car, and I believe they confront her at the car. Yeah, they're they're both they parked, and they're both just sitting there, and it's like, is something bothering you, Amanda? And it's like, what are you doing here? You guys get (laughs) out of here. She didn't know. I was thinking it'd be like she'd known the whole time. Nope, she didn't know. Um, So they confront her. Don't really do anything to her. She just At all. She just reveals, yeah, she reveals a new location to where they could find Connor at. She gives the exact apartment number. So, yeah, it's it like... It says, okay, like, he's yeah. upstairs she, in that apartment. She has something to do with this, but also, like... She doesn't care. She's, She's so like, you're, you're, my, my husband-to-be is paying you to go kill him, so go kill him. And they're like, okay. So, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So, oh, my God. From the... I'm just going to summarize. From the time Barbosa gave them the mission... They went to the bar where then they Reminder, were told... when Barbosa gave them the mission, she was in the room. Yeah. Right. So they went to the bar where they were told to go to Tim's place, where they were told to go to this other house with the art students, where then this chick there told them to find Amanda, where then Amanda gave them Connor's location. This sucks. Amanda, I hate this. why this... did you just tell him what you were this there? sucks. Yeah, like if you ah. know where he is and also want him killed slash beat up, you I could, guess you could. I mean, if you were like, eventually going to give them the information, you could just. I mean, have, even if it was the kind of thing where, like, if somehow for reason she doesn't want Barbosa to know that she knows where Connor is, because I'm assuming they were in cahoots right. and it went south, and that's why she wants him dead. Whatever. Right. Why not just send like an anonymous tip? Go here. Yeah, or like, <laughs> or she could just pull them aside, <laughs> like just, while they're there, like. Um, I'll hey, walk him out. Do, yeah, I'll walk him out. Hey, I know where Connor is. Like, do they know more info about Connor yet, or do they only learn what Connor really did when they confront They him? know what his face looks like, that he's a great guy four or five times, yeah. and, that he's, and that he's got a daughter. I swear, there had to have been, like, something that they thought got in the script but didn't. Because even as I'm saying this... It does not make sense why they had to do this whole goose chase and why Amanda knows where Connor is. Like, yeah. there has to be something. Well, okay, I know why she knows where Connor is, but it's not a great reason. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, she said, you know, I was the best you ever had. 
And so then he, they go upstairs to Connor's apartment, and they knock on the door, and he's like, "Oh, hey guys, how are you doing?" Oh, <laughs> okay. That's, so I was gonna do an Irish accent, and then I decided <sighs> in the last minute to not do that. So I, I, I have a, I have a genuine question. Okay. Uh, so the place where Amanda was and was yelling at through the door. Uh-huh. Was that the same building that It Connor is the same was? building, yeah. Okay. I thought, building. I thought they went somewhere else. That no. actually does make a little more sense, something else, that that is Connor's Right, building. right. Okay. But she just sticks around. Right. Like, we don't see her leave, and, like, later on, we're going to see she's still around here. <laughs> okay. So they go up to Connor's. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the way they get in is kind of cool, because, like, there's an old lady coming out. And they just hold the door for her. And she's like, oh, thank you, young man. And they say, no problem. And they just walk on in. And I'm like, oh, that's oh, kind of cute. That is that's cute. Clever. We're getting a little less violent yeah. with entering the door. But yeah. then once we're inside. Yeah, and then they go up the stairs. <laughs> well, that's inside the apartment building. Oh, yeah. yeah. They also say, uh, they're about to take the elevator. And then Sue says, oh, I don't do elevators. And I think he maybe kind of explains it, but it's never really important that he doesn't take elevators. Because they take the stairs both times. Right. Okay. Both times they go up this. So they go up to Connor's place. They (laughs) force their way in. Connor is Irish. He has very Irish accent. He also lives in a literal studio apartment. Yeah. Like there's art pieces all over. It's like a studio, like but like it's not a studio apartment. It's a gallery apartment. Yeah, yeah, like... There's literally a bunch of <laughs> modern art around, and like the couch looks like it's modern art, and like there are other rooms and stuff, but everything's like this gray wallpaper thing, and the floor is the same color as the walls and everything. Like it looks like an art gallery. Yeah, it's yeah, very that's, strange. That's and it is a little bit smoky. Um, well, a little, tiny bit. And so they come in, and he falls to his knees, and he's like, "Please, I, I can't. I, please, you've got this all wrong. I'm not a bad guy. I'm a great guy. Haven't you heard that from everybody?" And <laughs> he doesn't say that exactly, but he's 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 standing there, and he he's saying like, "You've got this all wrong." Uh, and is this when his daughter comes yes. out? Yeah, so his daughter comes out and is like, Daddy, Daddy, why are all the mean men after you? And he says, Oh, go, go to your room. Don't just go no, back in your room. a daughter. And, and yeah, and, and uh, Sue, <laughs> Sue looks she at the daughter. She is not a good actor. The, yeah, but not a good child are, actor. Yeah, kid actors are almost D- always bad. Daddy, Daddy, why are the men here? Yeah, it's basically this is a bland. And yeah. so Sue says, like, oh, Honey, we're playing a game. We're going to play some hide and seek. Um, and it's your turn to hide. So we're all going to close our eyes. And, like, you know, Connor's got it on his knees on the ground. And he says, see, we're all going to get on our knees. And so, like, French and Sue get on their knees. And they say, we're going to count to 100. And you better go hide. Go hide in your room. And we'll come find you afterwards. And uh, Connor's like, yeah, that's right. We're playing a game. These, 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 these are my friends. Mm-hmm. And Sue's being nice to the little girl. And she says, she still looks really scared. But she's like, okay. And she goes back to her room, and they're like, one, two, three. As soon as the door is closed, they're like, okay, look, just tell us what we need to do. And Connor says, and they stand up, and Connor says, like, okay, here's the deal. Okay, and and the deal seems to be that he was dating Amanda after after his daughter's mother died. Right, so he worked... At a place that, like, Barbosa owned. Right, one of the strip clubs or something. Yeah, yeah, over in Dublin, Ireland, and 
he like I got it on was with one, one of the, the strippers and right. got her pregnant. Right. Um, That's the mother of his daughter. And mother of maybe he was also taking money off the tills to, you know. Like, I don't oh, think he was because oh. he is a great guy. Okay. okay. So <laughs> uh, when Barbosa found out, the mom, she, he, you know, he killed the mom, but the daughter was born and yeah. Connor and the daughter fled here. Uh, and then he got involved with Amanda. But Connor and his daughter fled to the city where Barbosa lives? I think he moved here with the stripper who he was with. Like, his wife. I could swear that... And then the... she got killed by Barbosa for I... some reason. Yeah, maybe I was wrong about the place he worked at over in Dublin also being owned by Barbosa. Yeah, I don't like, really understand. Like, and then yeah. I, somehow he got, he got involved with Amanda. And then Amanda... She did something. I think she just has sex with Barbosa in order to get him to propose. Yeah, um, like Amanda's, you know, obviously doing that like for money, yeah, and power or whatever. But she's basically clout chasing. Okay. Um, with Barbosa, I mean, he wasn't Candyman. I mean, that's some serious clout. <laughs> oh, but uh, then. Connor, I don't know when he got involved with Amanda or why or how that ended up breaking bad for them. But either way, he broke up with Amanda and she was really vengeful. And so she told Barbosa that he was taking money off the top, but he wasn't really. And like, okay, so that almost sort of hangs together as a plot. But there's actually another layer to this. That makes even less sense. And so French is like, French looks at Sue and says, "Like, come on, man! Like, if what he's saying is true, and we kill him for this, like, that's messed up. We can't do that." And Sue is like, oh, "Fine." Well, no. Sue oh, okay. goes, "Fine. You're right. Let's get out of here." They go okay. downstairs. And then French is like, I'm glad you saw it my way. And Sue like, grabs him by the collar and is just like, I shouldn't have. We're both dead now. Don't you understand? We didn't listen to what Tommy wanted. Yeah. We... Like, we were hired to kick this guy's ass or kill him or whatever. And we're not doing that. We're going to be killed now. Yeah, we went against Barbosa. We didn't do what he wanted. So, you know, now he's going to get up, try to get us killed. And then this is where things um, get really strange. Yeah. Oh, wait, are oh. we close to the end? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I was actually going to say, so I checked. Oh, yeah. Oh, and uh, I, actually, I wanted to say real quick, I had read a review of this movie partway through, and it said that the real plot starts halfway in. And so I was kind of just mindlessly watching, and I saw this scene with Connor and them having this thing, and this very emotional thing, and I was thinking like, oh... So this is the emotional crux of the movie. So I'm guessing there's probably like half an hour left. And I hit pause, and there were like 15 minutes left. Yeah. Bob told me this, and I also checked when that scene ended. And there were 15 minutes left. Yeah, so like I'm like, 14 and a half minutes. oh my god. Like, they finally, really going to race to the end? They finally, they do the thing that will get the crime boss mad at them. You know, they'll probably have to go on the run or, you know, protect yeah. themselves now. But it's like, how can we do that in 14 in fi- minutes, including credits? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's kind of nonsense, but what happens is even weirder. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you, Okay. So they leave Connor alive, untouched. They tell him to get out of town, but, you know, they leave him alive. They don't carry out Barbosa's job. They go downstairs. 
Amanda is there. Amanda's standing around. Yeah, Amanda's standing around and says, Oh, you're too late. Barbosa and his men are... On their way up the elevator. On their way up the elevator to take out Connor and frame you two. And then they go... They look at each other and they're like, We have to stop them. Okay. And so they run up there to the apartment because they were on their way up the elevator. Yeah. And then they, they go, Okay, here's what we're going to do. we got to be sneaky. Mm-hmm. we got to get in there and try to grab a gun or two. And then we'll see what happens from there. And, like, it's not clear why... If you're going to just kill Connor anyway, why would there be any time for them to be sneaky? Like, if I'm Barbosa and I'm going to kill Connor, wouldn't it make more sense for me to just walk in and shoot him? Like, right. it doesn't like, take that much time to walk in and shoot somebody. Like, the fir- like when that happened, when Amanda was like, oh, yeah, they're on their way up to, to kill him... And then French and Sue run up the stairs and see that there's like five guys uh, standing like standing Connor's in hallways apartment. and stuff. Eddie, all I was thinking was Barbosa to set this up. Barbosa had to have called that before French and Sue bailed on their job. Yeah, like, and he also was he going would have to had betray to betray be... them anyways. And what? also he would have had to get in the car with all these dudes and start driving over here a long time ago. Yeah, like, it's like they, so yeah. sudden. And, like, why did he send these I guys on they, this mission to go to a bunch of places I, if he knows where Connor is and this is all part of a setup? Also, why is it important that we kill Connor or frame them? Why does any of that matter? Yeah. Why it, does he want that? It was like, it was like either Barbosa wanted to betray them anyways because again it sounds like he'd have had to set this up and call this in before the two failed to do the job hold on hold on um or or actually i I, I know i thought about it more so i i have more on that but yeah maybe that wasn't an either or sentence okay um but yeah certainly my first thought was that and that like barbosa sucks as a crime lord like if he was wanting to Betray Tommy and his associates and whatever. Why even get them to do whatever? anything? Yeah, why not just attack them? So yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's just like he hired them to do the job, but he knew that Connor was just such a good guy. Yeah, he's such a great to... guy. Well, uh, <laughs> well, actually, I do want to say real quick. Barbosa's men are all carrying guns, and some of these guns look like older guns. Oh no. And it's like Yeah, I that think that was the point of that I think guy there's in that the scene? same MP forty or whatever it yeah. is that, that one guy was mm. But it's himself. like again like, like I said, there are more guns in this country than there are human beings in this country. I would not imagine it's very hard for them to just get some modern weaponry. Right? And yeah. also every single goon has a different gun. All of them have different guns. One of them has an Uzi. One of them has an AK-47. One of them has an MP-40. One of them has a Sten. Like, it's just weird how much variety they have. Yeah, it feels like it was something where maybe it was like, oh, we can get these older guns and that'll be really cool. Now how do we work them into the plot to make sense? (laughs) Yeah, Since that would be, like, harder or weirder than everyone just having, you know, modern guns. guns. And so, So, like, they all, they're there, and then, like, Scott Atkins and, and, like, Sue and French sneakily, like, attack two guys and punch them out and steal their guns. And then they're, like, sneakily moving down corridors. And then, like, 
They get to the living room that they were in before, which was the front door led to the living room before, but now yeah. they had to go down a hallway to get there. I don't know. They yeah, they they get to Connor's apartment, the front door where Barbosa and like two other guys are. Barbosa like turns around, sees them, it's in slow-mo, he dodges out of the way while French and uh, actually, Sue shoot the other two. It's actually a little different than that. I believe they make their way into the apartment and they tell Connor and and like, okay, you actually do need yeah. to get going. Yeah. Like it's like we were gonna leave you alone, but like you actually have to leave now. You guys head down the fire escape and we're gonna stay here yeah. And hold them off? I thought there was a first firefight to... Maybe something at, like that. At to enter. Connor's door to get in. But yeah, yeah then... Then they, from, then they yeah. barricade inside. And I'm like, why are you staying to fight? Why don't you go with the people you're supposed to be protecting and protect them on the move? Wouldn't that make more sense? Like, if Barbosa and his men are coming here, why would you want to be here? But yeah. either way, then Barbosa and his men and Tommy and Alex show up. Remember Alex, the guy who swept oh, at the beginning? Yeah. He's there, and like, he knew they were going to betray it, It's them. this very kind of drawn-out fight scene, because one, no one can hit anything. Oh my god. Yeah, I they even fired messaged, so many shots I, and didn't hit anything. I messaged Bob, like, can someone hit something, please? Because so once yeah, French and like Sue barricade, more of Barbosa's men come in. French and Sue and them fire at each other. It's like a um, very small, like it's literally yeah, smaller it's than small. the room we're in right now. I'm closer to that, uh, like that couch is farther from me than they are from each other, and yet oh. yeah. they're firing I, fully automatic weapons at each other. And I'm honestly like, when I was watching the movie, I was thinking like. Do I want to put in the effort to count the number of bullets that were fired before anyone hits anything? It may be too much effort. Like right. if if there's a number on screen, I did the did the lo- tedious task of counting. But if there's not a number on screen, you can be assured it's more than a hundred. Oh, right. No. So, it's literally like right. They're just shooting at each other, reloading. It doesn't. Why is nobody hitting anything? I don't know. So both sides get messed up. Like, Barbosa's random goons go down. Uh, Sue gets pumped full of lead. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, falls down in the middle of the... Bleeding out his mouth. Yeah, like, Barbosa comes in after his two men and basically mess up Sue. And even, like, French gets shot a bit, but manages to crawl out of the door. And, like, he shoots Alex, who was there... And Alex was, like, yeah, was, on Barbosa's side for some reason. And right. Tommy's there. I was trying to explain it like that because, yeah, like, so the fight scene ends. You know, French is just not important now. Right. You know, Sue's lying there basically, like, taking his last breaths. Barbosa walks in um, and, like, says some stuff to Sue. And then Tommy walks in behind Barbosa and, like, cocks a gun and, and it's obvious that he's going to, like, shoot Barbosa. Yeah, and he yeah. says, like, you thought I didn't know you were going to betray me? And I'm like, you knew? Why did you let him then? Yeah. Like, like it's, if you knew he was going to betray you, why did you let it happen? Like, it's just this really weirdly paced thing of, you know, like, one guy walks in, then the other guy walks in as, like, a surprise thing. So, yeah, like, and I'm pretty sure Sue, like, Takes his last breath on camera. Like, yeah, they he film him, like, ugh. And he's dead. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so then 
Barbosa tries to, you know, it's like, Tommy, Tommy, we don't need to do this. You know, we're business partners or something. And Tommy's just like, not anymore. And <laughs> Yeah, like, it's, it, it's, it wasn't that dumb. It was I mean, it was pretty dumb. It didn't really make any sense that he would even remotely try to negotiate with Tommy with a gun basically pressed to his head, and he just killed right. their best guy. Like... It doesn't make any sense. Right. And, like, again, somewhere in there, Alex had betrayed them, and they killed Alex. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't really clear why he'd betrayed them, or even, yeah. like, why he was even yeah, important. I'm Maybe, like, Sue took out Alex after they talked a bit, and then Barbosa walked in and took something out like, Sue. Yeah, know, something like that. It was, like, yeah. nonsense. And it's like, why did Alex betray them? Who knows? Yeah. It's either way, Frenchy was riddled with bullets, but he's bleeding out his mouth when he manages to stumble downstairs. Yeah. You see Connor with his daughter escape as the police come in, and, and then you and see And real quick, French I do want to say, also. you see Amanda standing in the lobby, still waiting as the cops <laughs> run past her. Amanda, go somewhere, Yeah, lady. like, literally, like, as she's looking away... Connor comes down the, I guess, the stairs and goes out the back. Yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, like he if had she to had, dodge her. Honestly, yeah, if she hadn't looked to the door to see the cops come in, she would have seen him and the daughter running out the door. Running out the other door. But they run away, and mm-hmm. um, the cops come in, and uh, you uh, see now, now it's an exterior shot, and French is, like, stumbling to the car, and he's still alive, but just barely. Blood's dribbling down his chest. And he's laying there. And then at this point, you remember how we were seeing cows? Right. Yeah. So So now we're getting, like, the last time we saw cows, they weren't just standing around in a field. They were being kind of marched into a slaughterhouse. And then this last shot of cows that we see, we see them being executed and gutted. And it's really graphic, and I don't want to see that. (laughs) But the movie just shows it. Like, they don't imply anything. We see, like, guts spill out. It's very gory. It's in black and white, but that doesn't really help because we are watching... I mean, like, I'm a meat eater. I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. But I still, like, don't like watching that stuff. It's very unpleasant to look at. And then it cuts from that to, like, a piece of steak. Like, now this is not in black and white. This is now in color. You see someone cutting the steak, and then you're gonna you're gonna love this. Camera kind of pans back, and it's Connor and his daughter eating a meal at a pretty fancy restaurant. Yeah. And the daughter asks, "Dad, do you think the cows are happy before they get turned into steak?" And he says, "Oh yes, they're very happy. They uh, they live happy lives, and then one day." Uh, the farmer comes up to them, and he gets them, and he jumps, and she goes, <laughs> and they, she eats the steak, and then the movie's over. Is Scott Atkins died? They don't clarify. It's a metaphor. Did he... See, it's a metaphor. cows, the, or the debt collectors are cows, the slaughter. Yeah, because they're the victims. Just, uh, so I yeah, think... then it's credits, and the credits song honestly kind of slaps. Yeah, it's kind of good, slaps. but yeah, like... So Scott Atkins <laughs> is in the gets to the car. I assume he's alive, even though he looks he's, like more at than least half he's dead. He, he's yeah. mortally wounded, potentially dead. And like I said, I swear 
that Sue died he on camera. definitely dies on camera. Uh, Which uh, makes it we, really weird that on Netflix you can find The Debt Collector 2 starring Scott Atkins and Lewis Mandalore. What? Yeah, yeah there's a sequel and that it stars the same two. Yeah. And it's the same two playing the same two characters. I don't know what the setup is. Maybe it's showing us more of their adventures on day 1.5. It's like an interquel. I, I think it's going to be that he that survived Sue somehow. barely survived. Like, he was on death's door, but Even the paramedics was, got him to the hospital and I mean, stabilized him. When we him. first see him shot, it's like so much blood. It's like yeah. if it was like a bucket of blood flying out of yeah. his back. <laughs> and he's no! pumped full of lead at point blank yeah, range. Honestly, in that last fight scene, I was kind of like, whoa, they went in on the blood squibs. Like, yeah, they geez. really, really went in on the blood. And it's a small thing, but like Scott Atkins gets like shot somewhere in the stomach and immediately blood's pouring out of his mouth, which I always love. Yeah, that's a uh, cool. I mean, yeah. it's cool, but also, like, he's going to die. Like... Yeah, it's all supposed to happen that way. Yeah, your body likes to keep that stuff inside. Uh, but, yeah, no. So what, how, what did you think of that metaphor about the cows? <laughs> I was... I didn't know that that's where we were going. It's I a pretty stupid metaphor. In a way, it's kind of like a reverse media res kind of thing. Kinda. I get... I guess. Reverse? No. no. What do you mean? Just like normally, it's like the beginning and the middle, but now there's stuff in the middle that shows you the end. I get I, I no, know. I don't know. It's like it lines up like with his story though, because like yeah, I get. I it's get, like a cow in a pasture, a cow in a field, a cow in a pasture, a cow in like a farm, okay. a cow in a slaughterhouse, a cow being gutted is basically the. Oh, the so it's Scott Atkinson. Okay, I wasn't, yeah, but I wasn't like, really sure what the cows had been doing up to that point. I mean, they were just um, kind of hanging out. But like, this is a very weird movie. I mean, I guess I was kind of right where it was just, like, one, like, the little jobs leading up to, like, a big job yeah. kind of thing. Very wild story. I'm disappointed that I don't know the status of Scott Adkins' financial trouble. Yeah, no, that's never clear. <laughs> yeah, no. We <laughs> never see him get paid for anything. Yeah, no, it's... And, Even day one, which went and, off basically without a hitch. And and this is my whole thing about the pacing of this movie or so. Because mm. like I said, the first, like, 45 minutes mm-hmm. are all the first day of it. And... Yeah, movies, you know, you can do that where it's like one day or, you know, one kind of period of time, like training day. Yeah, training day is a great example of that, yeah. Or movies can, you know, do the thing of, you know, the the rookie who starts their job and then gets more in over their head. I know this is a weird example, but like Zootopia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, she's a rookie. (laughs) They didn't spend the first half the movie on her first day. You know, it's just a little bit of her there, her doing more and more cop work and then starting to get embroiled in a big controversy. But here... It's like it does that very specific amount of time for so long, and yeah. then, yeah, right near the end, it does like a big thing where you think, like, oh no, now they're on the run, they need to protect themselves. That then resolves itself in the next scene. It's resolved in the same building. Like, they didn't even leave the building before it was resolved. But, like, I mean, the problem with that is that the movie takes place over the course of, what, like, three days? Yeah. Right? If the movie had taken place over the course of two months, you could see, like, here's one day, and then, like, three weeks later, another day, Mm -hmm. and then three weeks later, another day. Something like that, right? Like, you could pace it out like that. But because it's specifically three days, your options are do this, where you've got a ton of time spent on the first day to establish things, Mm -hmm. and then just rush through the end. Or you could make an extremely long movie, or 
you could make every day pace the same, and then the first day would be very confusing for us. Yeah. Right? So they're kind of in a... They're stuck between a rock and a hard place because the movie takes place over three days. If it had taken place over a week, I think the movie probably would have been better. Yeah. They know? they just... They spent so long kind of on that first day, um, and, you know, to show, like, oh, French is a fish out of water, but yeah. he's and like kind of getting to, okay with it. But and they tried just, to include, like, comedic elements, and then the very end of the movie, there's nothing comedic at all. Like, the poster thing never comes back, the prostitute angle never comes back, because Sue's whole character arc, after his big confession, becomes... I miss my daughter. I'm only doing this because that guy has a daughter who reminds me of my daughter. Everything's about that great guy mm -hmm. with a daughter. And, like, Connor's role in the movie is, like, he's this great guy we've never met for, like, 20 minutes. And then we meet him and he seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's just some guy who expositions for, and you know, a he minute. he has a daughter and was being set up and... So and they like, shouldn't again, kill him. the ending doesn't really make any sense to me. Maybe it does on paper make sense, but because it was delivered too quickly and also too convolutedly, it seems like killing Connor, setting them up, and... Well, that's it, really. Those are the, yeah. seem to be Barbosa's two goals, but need, they're yeah, both, both goals seem to why. feed into each other. Right, yeah. like if, if you don't want to do one of them, you don't want to do the other one. Like you don't want to kill Connor because if you kill Connor, like killing Connor only serves to set them up, and setting them up only serves to kill Connor. Yeah, but right. Neither of those things is actually important. And so after I thought about it a bit more, maybe Barbosa decided to kill the two because they went to talk to Amanda and basically shook oh, her down. Maybe. But that goes back to why did they have to find Amanda anyways? You know, why did this whole yeah. trail of getting led somewhere or whatever yeah, send mean, them well, to a house where some Asian chick who never shows up again tells them that, you know, Amanda is knows yeah. what's going on and is in, is to blame and knows where Connor is. I'm like, yeah, like why would she try to get Connor killed if part of that was like you guys need to find Connor and like that if she's the only one who knows where Connor is for sure like even Connor's friends don't know where he is for sure they all have like a last known address some of them for some reason written on index cards but like even the Asian woman who you would think she'd be the one to know she doesn't know she directs them to Amanda who does know. So if there's only one person who knows, of course it's going to come back to her. Yeah, I... Well, okay. Well, this movie was really cute at times. I really like the yeah. romance. That was nice. And, like, the comedic moments aren't too bad. Yeah. I kind of like some of the jokes. I feel like it's a movie where they have, like, a good thing going, but then they're like, oh, but this kind of has to be, like, about something. It has else. to be a serious plot. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like, oh, no, your serious plot is just dumb. Yeah, yeah, I'd say the performances, aside from Barbosa's, yeah. and Gordy's, were pretty good, <laughs> but the script, yeah, really? did not tie... Anything together, and uh, I saw I you know just before we started recording, I saw there was a review. I saw the title of the review that said that the sequel is better than this movie. So I'm hoping we watch the sequel and we really enjoy it. But I don't know. 
Bye. Bye.